This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming Podcast. I am Rich Lapore. And I'm Jordan Alsega. And we are here, ready to talk about some games. And let me tell you, if you are listening to this, you are in for a treat. Not because I'm bragging about me. No, no, no. <laughs> but because I'm bragging about Jordan in this capacity, because we are talking about Spider-Man on PS4, and I could not imagine a person to talk about Spider-Man that is more... I'm sorry, you're going to probably, you know stop me from from bragging you up but let's put it this way from the beginning of me knowing jordan he spider-man's always been your favorite superhero right uh yeah um to put it simply yeah yeah i mean like i'm talking like 60 70 trades at least at one point um and then you 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 were buying the whole run and issues for a long long time um you know just just hardcore i mean hardbacks i mean you name it not that not that owning stuff makes you a fan but that's just like the physical ramifications the actual emotional ones probably go even deeper right i mean yeah by by far i mean i can see my bookcases here i have far more spider-man than any other character and any other marvel character for sure and i mean yeah just compared to dc uh, I mean, maybe the independent stuff as a whole beats it. But, yeah, I've got, like, two full shelves of Spider-Man books. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. And so, you know, kicking and screaming, Jordan has pulled me into Spider-Man a bit. Not that I was ever against Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man casually like a lot of other people do. But it wasn't until I met him that I sort of started to understand, like, what was so great. And I got Spider-Island because you were all about it. Um, and it's really excellent. If you guys, by the way, I don't know if it's changed, but at least when I was reading Spider-Man books, Spider-Island was kind of like, if you really want to just have a great time reading Spider-Man, that book, you, you just really can't beat it. It's a it's a really good adventure. I think it is the best event. And I mean, Spider-Man hasn't had dedicated events that long. I mean, he had big crossovers in the 90s. But yeah, I mean, it, it's the one. I think it does a really good job of focusing on Spider-Man, where the world was at that point, and just being a lot of fun. I mean, Spider-Verse is a lot of fun as well. Um, and and just the characters still going. They have new events coming. Uh, but, you know, he's a character that's been going for over 50 years. Hugely entertaining and pretty beloved. I mean, he's he's fairly accepted. He's certainly Marvel's most popular character. I think uh, between him and Batman, it's, it's one of the two. I, I think Spider-Man does beat him worldwide just for the popularity of the character. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's been around... And, you know, he's been in games for years, too. It's not like this is new, Yeah. <laughs> uh, that there's a Spider-Man game. It's not even new that there's an open-world 3D Spider-Man game, because if you want to look at... This, this is, I think, what, the seventh open-world Spider-Man game, but, you know, it set itself apart. That's what we're here to talk about, of yeah. course, is Marvel's Spider-Man from Insomniac, exclusively for PS4. Right, which is a huge get for them. Um, Insomniac has been an interesting developer. Um, you know, they had a couple. There was a time there when I thought things were a little touch and go for them. I actually worried a little bit about that developer. Ratchet and Clank, for example, the 2016 one. Not that that's not a game that did okay, but it just didn't like hit critical mass. The movie tie-in or or, or the 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 movie that also came out at the same time kind of tanked. It didn't really launch those characters like maybe they had hoped. Before that. 
it was Sunset Overdrive, which was which really landed with a thud. Interestingly, that was an Xbox exclusive. Strangely, before that, they did Fuse, which was a big thud, also, <laughs> which um, we loved. We, we had did a lot love of fun it. With it. We did love it. it. We played it. We even did some. I think there's a video floating around somewhere of us playing it. Um, but I mean. They just had a lot of misfires. Not necessarily that they were bad games, but they just didn't find an audience. You know, like a lot of really good quality stuff that was before its time, Sunset Overdrive um, found an audience. Not mass appeal, but a lot of critics and fans have sort of come around and realized that that game is actually way better than than people thought at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even I think it has a it's a it's a tough game to start with because you have to learn how it wants you to play it. Yeah. Uh, so it made. A bad first impression they did the free day of it where you could play it for 24 hours and it's not a game where you get a good feel for it very quickly not so. at all and i actually think in the little we'll talk in depth about spider-man later but i would actually say there's a little learning curve to this game too so that's not uncommon for insomniac yeah no i think you well i think they make games that are best as you get deeper into them i think you could say the same thing for the ratchet and clank games because True. True. Uh, they're games where you have to get more upgrades and more weapons and more abilities and just develop your character. Um, yeah. I think that was true for Ratchet and Clank. It was true for uh, Sunset Overdrive. And I mean, even games like Fuse hurt for the lack of it. I mean, Fuse has a thing where each character has a different weapon, but there's really not a lot to do beyond they have different weapons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and it's, it, it really is true. I, I found... Um, that even Ratchet and Clank, I actually bounced right to it. I'm playing a couple things right now, and Ratchet and Clank uh, 2016 is one of them. It is 2016, right? I yeah, I believe that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the most recent one. That game, um, which was made right here in North Carolina, by the way. Shout out to uh, uh, Raleigh, Durham area. Anyway, I always pass by there, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's the Insomniac Studio. It's like right there next <laughs> next to Bonefish. Like, what the fuck? All right. Anyway, um, so so yeah, the um, I was playing Ratchet and Clank, and actually, even the beginning of that's kind of tough. Their games are until you get a couple upgrades in that game and a couple weapons, it's just like, oh, I have this combustor and it barely fires and, like, the shots are like a little pea shooter and, and then it isn't until you get a couple bombs and Mr. Zircon and the flow starts going. So they're actually, their games start out pretty tough in my experience. But anyway, we'll talk all about um, Spider-Man PS4 mainly and maybe a little more Insomniac as we go. Um, first, though, we're going to talk about a little bit of news. We might also get to a couple of the other things we've been playing before Spider-Man. Um, news-wise, though, Boy, for for Jordan, you and I, it it could not be a better time. And I and I think rather than burying the lead, why don't we just talk about the thing that's very you and me that just happened? Yeah. So this happened pretty recently, and I was just looking this up randomly. It, it didn't make a big splash, but it was reported on just a, a week or two ago that uh, Kazutaka Kodaka, who is the creator of the Danganronpa series, and Kotaro uh, Uchikoshi, the creator of the Zero Escape series have started a new studio together that is developing several games, uh, all of which kind of take on the art style, you know, the dark go- dark teen art style of their games. As well, And the main big one that they're focusing on is a new adventure game that the two of them are directing together. Uh, which, that is such <laughs> huge news. Like, are you yeah, kidding me? They, they And they have other games in development as well that all seem along that same line. But the fact that, like, Zero Escape is the more popular series and you know has has gone a long way where its third entry you know ended up 
making my game of the year last year, as well as being, you know, one of my favorite games of all time. And Zero Escape from the beginning with 999 has just been an enrapturing experience as well. However, we felt about Zero Time Dilemma aside, you know, there's a lot of factors uh, uh, that went yeah, into uh, that. Sorry, uh, that was a little confusing. You meant Danganronpa is more popular. Yeah, Danganronpa is more, yeah, yeah. yeah Danganronpa you you is said popular. Zero Escape for both, <laughs> both, both of them. But yeah, now my apologies, you meant, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you meant last year's game of the year for you. One of them was, uh, Danganronpa V3, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so anyway, uh, just to clarify for people, go ahead. But yeah, Zero Escape, yeah. I, I didn't love the third one, but even still, the good memories of the first and especially the second one are so strong that it overpowers any negativity I have, you know, on them ruining uh, uh, Luna on me. Now, the the big thing I think to take away is, yeah, this is, they each have different skills and strength, and I think the two of them coming together is it's hard not to be excited for the game. There's one piece of promotional art for it so far, but it looks very much like a meeting of their styles. Um, it'll probably be zero escape. Definitely went in the more anime influenced direction as it went on. It's original art style was much more staid and, and, uh, plain but but it definitely got there and i think they're definitely gonna have fun playing with each other's styles and creating a new form i mean i want i don't know what it's gonna be but i want escape rooms i want puzzles i want mysteries and murder and all that stuff that they both are so good at yeah uh i mean whatever this game is it's hard not to be excited that it's gonna happen at all yeah exactly i mean these are just two people that like like you know like jordan said like they're just they're so unique and they're so original and there's nothing like it. And for them to team up, it's just like, like, for example, we had both, uh, the, the, the beginning of, of sort of getting into all these games was the original nine, nine, nine. And Jordan told me about that. And it was really buzzing on all the websites. And then, you know, I played that and I loved it. But then when virtues last reward came out, that was just insane. And we were playing it on our Vitas and, and three DSs. And then, um, Danganronpa was happening like off to the side. It was one of those games that was much more of a Japanese thing, like all of this is. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, Danganronpa blew up here, and I picked up the first one of those, and it was like, wow, like this is another game that's very similar to the Zero Escape games, which you know we're both fiending for more of, because they're so good and they're so rare. And at that point, I don't think we knew we were ever going to get the third Zero Escape. No, yeah, it was still sort of it was that yeah, the Danganronpa really blew up here because both of the first two games came out in the same year. Yeah, sort of in that middle ground between, uh, yeah, the Zero Escapes because again they were Vita games and the Vita had you know three good years maybe yeah, before it just became a weird port machine. Right, and then it just had some or Japan, a trophy boost and then machine. right true and then just some Japan only years in the last couple. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, we, we got into both series. I think Danganronpa definitely started off in a weirder place just because it was less, uh, not just less twisty, but less, I think, as interested in being emotionally invested in the characters. Uh, it was much more built on the sort of juvenile humor in a lot of ways, but still had good stories. Um, like I said, the third one really did blow it up. I think the yeah. second one's really good as well once you get to the end and all the reveals. So, I mean, but both of them are really good at creating big, weird narratives that are surprisingly impactful when you start finding out all the secrets. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're deceptive in, in, in what they look like at first is not what you get in the end. And I'm actually, you know, I, I bought... Danganronpa V3 finally on one of the sales they had it down for like because it's always sixty bucks so they finally had it for like thirty nine again I think you got it at some sale similar to that 
Um, and, yeah, basically. And when it went down, I grabbed it, and it's sitting on my hard drive now. And so, like, when I have, you know, the right juncture, um, it's tough because it's, it's the holiday season and gaming is just on fire right now. Yeah. Um, did but, you I, – I remember yeah. you getting close. Did you finish two? I did finish two, yeah. You did finish two. Okay, I, I thought you had two. it. Um, I did, and I liked it a lot. Um, you know, both of those games, one and two, I like a lot. I'm not – obsessed with them like i was you know uh the second zero escape game that game to me i mean you remember how i got about that uh about that luna uh robot scene i mean i you know that's not that's vague enough for people to not know what i'm talking about i mean it broke my heart and i mean it's just that game is so emotionally impactful anyway we could go on and on about this stuff point is there's going to be a lot more games to talk about and to play and to love coming up and we should all be anybody who hasn't played these games sounds like v3 might be a good place to jump in and i would say grab one of those collections and play like 999 and zeros uh in the second one anyway yeah no they they upgraded them a lot as well like especially the the first zero escape on ps4 you know they had voice acting and uh the the like the branching tree so you can follow the story easier they really updated it out so if you haven't played it that's the way to do it wow one day i may actually go back and experience it again when i've forgotten enough of it for it to be uh at least somewhat novel again okay um yeah. anyway so uh what what's up next uh, th- then we had um do you want to i guess we'll talk about direct next or do you want to talk uh, the other story the the direct i think is the big one so yeah. we might well it's it's the mo- it's the oldest so if we're moving forward uh because the the other announcement which we'll talk about just happened like last two a night two nights ago for yeah. us i so. believe tgs um because tgs yeah. is going on i mean this is just a crazy season i'm listening to other podcasts that are talking about red dead and they got to play two hours of it at kotaku and just all these different places are starting to like feed little details about how like ridiculously huge red dead's gonna be and then odyssey's getting good buzz early on um spider-man got ridiculously good reviews shadow of the tomb raider less so um but there's just a lot coming out right now it's just an amazing time add tgs and then this crazy nintendo direct what was going on with this nintendo direct man so yeah nintendo direct is the big thing and um that's nintendo's way they like to just pick random times and set up an announcement and be like all right we're gonna do this not related to anything we just want to announce a bunch of stuff that said there's a little bit of a time sort of connection because of the online stuff i would say if any sure if any but i mean well let's lead with that because they did talk a lot about online and um this i think to me is the least exciting part of it absolutely the least so they did. They've been talking about it all year. Well, really, for the past year and a half. That yeah, Nintendo, the Switch is going to get an online, a dedicated service. Um, and you know, the 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 big bummer is, of course, that all the multiplayer games that were free are now behind that paywall. Right. Which which again, it's less shitty because you. It's also only twenty bucks a year. So. Yeah, which is the way to do it. If you look at the price scheme, you can do it for four dollars a month. Right. Right. But you know, then you're paying way more per year to use the service. But they have it figured out pretty well. Like I'm almost tempted to only spend four dollars right now. You know, uh, it's like twenty bucks is a lot of money, even for even for just anybody. It's a lot. I it's mean, certainly less than most online services, it, though, it, which is it nice. It is. But what I mean and is, I, as an entry point, I can spend ten dollars to get you know PlayStation Plus right now. I'm talking about it short sighted because I sometimes am short sighted, and I'll also get three free games to play and you know all this other stuff. Whereas with this Nintendo, anyway, I, that's a stupid point. The point is, it's very cheap. No, I get what you're saying. Like, no, no, it's I'm not. They should have those options because it's not low enough that you know people might not want a monthly plan. Right. But 
I do think it being only $20 makes it a little easier to just jump on that, especially if you are someone who has spent a lot of time already playing Splatoon 2, playing Mario Kart 8, is looking forward to uh, Smash Brothers in December and all the online components there. And essentially, the way to look at it is it probably is something that always should have been in place. They just didn't have their shit together yet. Um, But really, in reality, to put together the infrastructure to have online gaming, it's not unfair for them to have a small fee on a monthly basis or a yearly basis. Yeah. Now that said, there's nothing that exciting about Mm -hmm. it at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they they added cloud saving, which is one of those features where it's like, duh, they should have had it in the beginning, right? Yeah, they you know have a bunch of NES games that you can play as part of it. I don't. Uh, I am so uninterested. Why can't I get interested? Why am I not pumped? I don't know. I think. I think it's a couple of things. One, yeah, at this point we're talking about a lot of games that are twenty-five to thirty years old, but it's also. How many times has Nintendo rung that bell? I know. Of you can play our original NES games. I mean, how many times have we seen Super Mario Brothers three or Zelda, or any of these classics made available in some way, whether it be the Virtual Console or re-releases on Game Boy or as e-reader cards? I mean, they're or, not or, or in Animal Crossing or you name it. I I honestly the only one I have any interest in actually playing. And by the way, the original Legend of Zelda as a game is 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 you know incredible. It sits on a mountain um, you know of its own, but I don't want to play it. You know, the only one I would play is Mario 3. It's, like, probably the only one. Maybe maybe Solomon's Key, maybe Metroid for five minutes when it comes out. Other than that, I don't know. I think it's a service that needs... If they want this to be a, a big deal service, I think ideally they'll they'll expand it more and it'll maybe be more than just NES games. I mean, even if they just added Super Nintendo games, you'd have things that are meatier and hold up better in yeah. the modern gaming landscape. Like, think about how much better... super metroid holds up than regular metroid and i don't just mean like i mean it's it's fundamentally it's it's the difference with almost between playable and unplayable at this point because we're just so far beyond the limitations of the original metroid i don't know yeah and we forgot i mean given the news story nes classic a lot of these games were just re-released i I know and yeah i didn't get the nes classic which just proves the point you just made i got the super nes classic and even that i haven't really played you know um and so it's it's whatever i would say this if they started rocking out with like 3d excuse me regular ds and game boy games on there even if they were paid oh my god i'd be all over that because there's so many of those i want they definitely should bring some form of virtual console if it's a free or free with subscription type of thing that'd be great but even not you know make those games available i would love to be able to play uh, classic game, like GameCube games really should be the, the ideal, right? At this point, those should be, you know, Super Mario Sunshine should be available. I stuff know. like that. I know. There's no reason um, why it's not. There's really no reason. Um, Wii games are maybe a little trickier just for the motion control aspect if you're, well, no, but then you can play it on TV. Or the 3DS and DS games are probably the trickiest. But still, you, you, they're ideally working on those things. I hope so. I mean, Nintendo is, so if we want to look histor- at historical trends, no. Nintendo always drops the ball. They give us one little nugget and then like 10 like really bad mistakes or just stunning, startling omissions that it's like, why is that not here? That said, it's gotten a little better recently. They've started coming around a bit, even with the Switch. Like, 
even on previous systems, it's been like on the Wii U. They put out a couple remakes, but not that many, not as many as you'd want. You know, it's like they made this huge deal out of Wind Waker Wii U. And don't get me wrong, that's a great game and a great re-release, but that's like one of the ten they could have put out in the span of time it took to get it out. Whereas with Switch, it's just fast and furious. And some of the stuff we're going to be talking about on, on this Direct is like, yes, 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 keep it coming. No, definitely. They're learning their lesson is my point. And so if we look at history, no, they probably won't ever do what you just said. But if we look at very recent history, I'm a little more optimistic. Now, how much of that is dictated more by just knowing there are still a lot of sales that could be made off of those Wii U games is always a a good question. Yeah, yeah. Just because of how the Wii U did. But no, they're they're making that. And that's – they started – they started pretty big with an original game, not a, not a port, but they opened with the announcement of Luigi's Mansion 3 for next year. Awesome. Here's here's the thing that, that I'm sorry to, to, to divert so quickly, but this is the first thing that pops into my head. So I'm very, again, I like stuff that's coming in the future, but I'm also focused on right now. And, and Luigi's Mansion, which I've never played to completion, um, is coming out on 3DS like in a month, less than a month, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that said... What I've heard a lot of people tell me is that's a five-hour game. Do you think it's going to only be five hours when it comes to 3DS? I mean, unless they significantly increase the length of it. So you don't think? So you think it's very possible that it'll be a forty-dollar five-hour game? I mean, Luigi's Mansion's not that big. It is not built like Luigi's Mansion Two was, where it was built around missions and Dark multiple moon, mansions. Right. Um, it was one mansion. Now, I mean, I remember it taking what felt like I, – I, I played it over several days. But even I at 10, um, I remember beating it uh, less than a week later because I remember it came out and then I was finishing it like at Thanksgiving dinner the next wow, week. Wow, that's a pretty solid memory you got there. I get it. It's a favorite of yours. But still, it's a good memory. No, but yeah. So, I mean, it's not a super long game. It is a classic. Now, they're adding things to this. They did add a co-op mode, which is one of the things they announced during the Direct. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a classic that's being remade and it probably has an audience. I, I, it has me. I'm going to pick it up. I mean, I actually, uh, got a Wii recently again. I don't know where my old one went. Um, just so I could play cause I have a, a disc copy of the GameCube Luigi's Mansion, but now I'm just going to play it on 3DS. So I'm in, even at 40 bucks, I'm in. I'm just thinking like Dark Moon was really long. Luigi's Mansion 3 apparently is going to be like a much bigger, bigger game. So this one they're coming out with, it's. I was just wondering how long that it really is. I'm glad you filled that in. Anyway, back to Luigi's Mansion 3. What a great reveal, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was great from a couple. One is that they don't... They're not always the best with their big titles of announcing them quickly in terms of this being a game for next year is a little surprising. It doesn't even seem like there's that much on it yet because it was a very brief teaser. Um... But I'm very much looking forward to checking it out because, yeah, Luigi's Mansion 1 was a favorite. Actually, still, in my memory, I definitely prefer the first one over the second one because I wasn't a huge fan of that multiple mansion structure just because of the way it would, like, force you to replay sections. Because it basically made each mansion mission structured, and so you'd have to, like, keep redoing the same parts. I, I didn't love that, but at the same time, that game was so fun mechanically. And having it on the go and all, I just, I have such fond memories of it. I I could have taken or left that aspect of it totally, especially because there'd be places you'd revisit. And like, when you go back there, you can't get certain collectibles that you could have gotten the first time you were in that very same area and certain like obscure choices like that, that made it frustrating. So it was both archaic and new at the same time, but I still had such a good time with it, you know? No, it's definitely a good game. I, I mean, I'm just saying like, 
I would love it if the structure for this one is different again, and I'm sure it will be, but we have very little to go on. Oh, how about, I got an idea, three mansions that are all really big, or one gigantic mansion, either way, like the real estate of Dark Moon without backtracking. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 kind of the perfect recipe, I feel like. Well, yeah. that's exciting. Uh-huh. That started off with a bang. We were not expecting that. I mean, it would have seemed when you saw Luigi at first, it's like, oh, great, they're talking about the 3DS game, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good... Uh, they did a good bit of that. They did a couple things like that where they played with expectations a little. Um, oh, in the end especially, which we'll get to. Yeah, uh, but some other things they announced. Uh, Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn is coming to 3DS, which was kind of like... Just because of how, how far back Kirby's Yarn is now, it, it was surprising to see that. Yeah, I played the heck out of that game, and I'm really glad that's coming out. Because I think it's just been enough time where I'm ready to play it again. Especially on 3DS. And it's good that there's still games. I think they announced, like, th- well, they announced two, and then one is just we already knew. Um, and there was, what was it, like three games in the total 3DS little little segment? Something like that, I think it was yeah. that, those two, and then my favorite, Bowser's Inside Story, like, Redux. With, like, a new... Uh, a new Bowser uh, Jr.'s Journey? Yeah, ba- basically Bowser Jr.'s uh, um, RTS, or whatever it is. I always get the, whatever R- the RTs mixed up, but is that an RTS or RT turn-based or what? It, it looks a little... You, like... I'm not really sure what it is. You, you basically, you get enemy units that are your friends, and then you, like, set up almost boards where you, you like, arrange how your units are positioned and then you attack, so I'm not 100% sure. Okay. All right, so a little towered events, a little bit Pokemon, and a little bit real-time... Sp- anyway, we'll, we'll see. Uh, either way, I, I probably won't see. I'll probably just replay the Bowser's Inside story and skip that entirely, but we'll see. I mean, you know, if it's really good, yeah. it gets good buzz. Like everything, like with all of those type of things, like if it gets really good buzz and somebody's like, wow, this really, like, reinvents things in a new and original way, okay, great, I'll play it. Other than that, you know, whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, beyond that, we had... Now, if you are a huge, excited fan of the Switch's NES library, they did announce some NES Joy-Cons for the fans out there. Yeah, yeah, So, and they're expensive. They're 60 bucks for two. They slip on the sides of the Wii, of the Switch. And the other thing that's really weird, I don't know if you knew this, Jordan, you have to be a subscriber to the online program to order them. You have yes, to, I you did have see to that. You have to pre-order them. They ship in December... And it's only one set of NES Joy-Cons per online subscription, which I thought was great to get rid of this crazy um, poacher, you know, scalping society that's going on with Nintendo stuff. It's it's an interesting system all around. I mean, yeah, they're Joy-Con. They use the Joy-Con technology. They are wireless controllers. It just still feels like a lot to get a NES controller for your NES games on Switch. Uh, yeah, it's 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 excessive. So it's cute, it's cool. My pre-order is not in. No. Um, yeah. I, I again, one of those things that for the people that are super excited about it, I know some people do have a problem with the Switch D-pad because it's buttons and not a D-pad. But you know, this will fix that for that set. I guess that's true. And and, and yeah, and there's been like ways to kind of deal with that before um, with different hacks and and things you could buy that drain your battery really fast, made by whatever that company is. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's whatever. I don't, I, you know, I don't play enough shmups or, you know, Street Fighter, um, remakes to need that. So, yeah, here was an announcement that was exciting for, uh, me at least was that Katamari Damacy is getting, of all things, a, a Switch port. Is it called yes, a Kat- 
Katamari Damacy Reroll is coming to the Switch. That's a cool game. That's a PS2 game, if I remember. And it was the original. Know, yeah, it got a lot of buzz. Um, it was very beloved. It's it's one of those games that's very Jap- Japanese. It's very Japan, and it's it's like oh, there's this really flamboyant king of all cosmos, and he makes all kinds of weird comments, and you're like both the ball and this dude, and and it's just very. It's very weird. I don't know how to put it, really. I don't mean to just say weird, but how, how would you describe Katamari? Uh, Katamari is a game where you have a ball that starts small, and it's big enough that anything that is smaller than it can stick to it, and then as the ball grows, you can pick up bigger and bigger items, uh, so that you go from like picking up paper clips and cotton balls on the ground to picking up tables and chairs to buildings to entire islands, and, and you know that's the appeal of the game is just seeing how big you can get. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, you really you really loved it. I didn't know you were so pumped. Oh, yeah. I loved Katamari. We love Katamari. Um, I definitely played the 361. You know, they, they are a series where it's it's such a strong central concept that there's not a lot you can do to grow it. Mm. Uh, it's like pretty much form complete just, just from the word go. It's like, yeah, roll shit up. Yeah. Uh, and you can yeah. keep giving more things to roll up and uh, such. I mean, there, the, the big there... thing to me is, though – Go ahead. This is a game that, if it's a remake of the original, it's all going to come down to price point because Katamari Damacy was also famous for being a brand new game that launched at $20, recognizing its own limitations and length. So, I mean, this should hopefully stay in that range. I mean, it shouldn't be a $60 remake of this game. That said, now the thing about non-iteration on the central concept here, the only thing that's interesting about it, though, is it did spawn a lot of imitators slash it inspired a lot of things so uh, one example like I, a lot of them don't come to mind but one that does is the recent game donut county which is c- very similar in a, in a reverse way where you get this hole in the ground and you kind of control it remote control by this raccoon and then the hole becomes bigger and bigger the more stuff you put in the hole it's pretty cool yeah so there are no there, it looks interesting there are ways to like evolve the formula in different ways but i totally get what you mean about the central um form yeah, no, I mean, really, the biggest thing comes down to, like, mission objectives. I think they added where it's, like, roll up a lot of yellow items or stuff like that. Okay, but, okay, got you it, know. got it. Limitations slash, yeah, mission objectives, well said. Okay, what else? There's a lot more. Yeah, no, uh, another big one was Yoshi's Crafted World got a new showcase. Uh, it's been a bit since we saw anything from this game. And it's finally kind of what we, I don't think we ever quite knew what it was. We certainly didn't know the name, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I think just so know either. it looked like constructed world, but no, it looks really cool. Um, they've done, you know, for all the times they failed to recreate Yoshi's Island, the the new types of Yoshi games they've been putting out have been interesting and creative. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was a big fan. I liked Yoshi's Woolly World a lot. And uh, so I'm looking forward to Yoshi's Crafted World hopefully being good as well. Here's the news about it, too. So um, it's it's like it's a little bit taking a cue from that game, um, Tearaway, um, where it's like you'll you'll like and also the yarn games where like in Tearaway, you you it was a game for the Vita originally. Now it's on uh, PS4, but um, it's got like. There'll be, like, a little present, and, like, you know, on the Vita version anyway, you would tap on, like, a little, like, gift wrap piece, and it would pop, and this paper would fold, and the world you were looking at would change, and it would morph and form, and, and it was really, like, an interesting, like, puzzle interplay of, like, opening up paper mache and different things and, like, having it create new worlds and new, like, access points, and it was pretty good. It was a pretty good game. Uh, it got a lot of good um, praise, and it, it was very good. I'd say it was, like, 90% of the way there, you know, on, on really realizing what it could have been, but it was still really excellent. 
excellent. And this game is basically like that. It's it's crafted world. So like you like what for example you'll be walking left to right like you do in platformers, and then oh wait there's this weird door looking thing on the left with like I don't know what. It's hard to describe. And then like you'll pull on it, and then oop your whole perspective shifts to your like looking into the screen, and then you can walk forward, and then there's like a whole back layer that's back there. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. And then the other thing is when you get to the end of levels, you'll be able to play them in reverse. So like right to left, which is interesting. So it's, they're really playing with the uh, platformer form in a cool way, which those games are good at doing. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward. Like I said, looking forward to it. They, they, I think 2018 has been for the Switch a little more low key. Yeah. Uh, you know, barring that Smash Brothers comes out in a few months. Right. Right. Uh, like Mario but, Aces is not a huge deal. We are getting party soon, which for the Switch group that I go to, that's a huge deal. It's going to be like a, like a party that day, but but still, like it's not. Yeah, it, it hasn't been as big as 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 last year for sure. But no, I mean, now what they have had is, of course, ports upon ports upon ports upon ports upon ports, uh, where you know they just keep getting new old classic indie games or new exclusives. So I mean, they're making the download shop a must be place. Uh, which has been really interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Like, seriously, there's so many things that I haven't even picked up yet. I finally want to play Iconoclast. I haven't played Celeste, but that's, you know, because I'm woefully behind on that on that train. Um, there's so many things on there that I'm dying to play. And don't have Like, I would love to play Salt and Sanctuary, finally. And I could go on and on and on. And I have played a lot. I'm, like, knee-deep in The Messenger. I've played a lot of um, Dead Cells. Love that game. There's so many, man. Yeah, no, it's just really hopping there. And you know their 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 goal is to have like I think they said they wanted thirty new games a week and they're not quite there yet but you know every week if you go on there there's probably something that'll at least catch your eye and make you maybe think about adding it to your wish list so got it what you got next uh, next up is town the new game from Game Freak of all people who spent basically their entire existence as the Pokemon company yeah yeah I think, I think they've had the occasional. Yeah, like I was thinking Foray. when you just said that, I was thinking maybe there was one, maybe, maybe two different little weird things they did for a very <laughs> short time. I think they did that game about the drill. Yeah, yeah, Drill Dozer. And drill I, Dozer. I don't yeah, know I think that, that, that was them. them, or they did. I gotta look this Burman, up. They might have done. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of games that like I I think might have been them, or maybe they were just intelligent systems, or I I don't know. No, yeah, they did do Drill Dozer. Yeah, <laughs> Drill Dozer solid. Drill Dozer's Mad Solid. That was a, uh, a GBA game, and it actually had a um, uh, like a cartridge with, I guess, what would you call it? Like a motion control cartridge, and you yeah. actually move the cartridge, and like it controlled the direction of your drill. It was really fun and really like novel. And they also had a game called Harmonite. Oh, okay. So, so they've had a lot of like, they've they've done small things, but yeah, they're mainly the Pokemon company. But Town looks like a real big deal for them. Uh, they certainly got a big showcase. It's a big 3D game. It's for the Switch. And it's got – the closest I could think was just because of the town aspect. And they didn't say town building, but it's sort of like a fantasy setting where you're protecting a town. It felt a little dark cloudish just for the like the look and, and feel of it. But the whole game takes place in this town. Monster attacks happen. There wasn't a lot to go on. I mean town is technically its working title. Uh, but you know, it's interesting to see Game Freak is – doing something new and different and i'm looking forward to seeing more of this game here's an interesting parallel um the guy who did system shock and epic mickey i'm I'm, his name is is escaping me what is that guy's name you're good at names or inspector thank you man nice nice 
Warren Spector was, um, he's not doing any of that stuff specifically right now. I think he's working on like his, he's working as an advisor on like the, one of the System Shock games that's coming out. Actually, no, he's working on System Shock 3, I think, right now, but also advising on another System Shock remake-y thing. Anyway, he talked to somebody on some podcast somewhere, whoever it was, credit to them, but he his the interview they asked like what is a game you've always a cool idea you've always wanted to have a, made a game that you couldn't make and or, or are still thinking of making he said i have for a long time been thinking about how great it would be that instead of a game being wide that it be deep and he says what i mean by that is wouldn't it be awesome if you could create like a city street or a city block and instead of having a huge world like The Witcher or whatever, have just one street and every door is openable, full of people and vibrant life and stores and every single place you look is like full, like a city is full. And just have it be one street. And immediately when I saw this game, I was like, wow, like if this is a pretty big, expansive game and it's just fixated on one little area, that's an interesting parallel there. And, and I'm certainly into the idea of going deep, not wide for a while. Yeah, no, I think, again, it just looks like another, kind of getting to my point earlier that I didn't fully make, I think 2019 has the possibility to be a very big uh, first-party, third-party year as opposed to just the independence on the downloadable shop again. Right, 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 right. absolutely. Well, we, as we, we didn't mention it earlier, but um, Luigi's Mansion um, is coming out in 2019, they said. Um, we don't have a date yet, or ha nor have we seen any footage or any details about the new Metroid Prime. One thing they did reveal, though, if you don't mind me taking the lead on this one, is Super Mario Bros. U coming to the Switch in January on the 19th. That's Very not soon. that far off, yeah. And that's exciting, man. That's a game a lot of people slept on, because the Wii U sold, like, what, 5.5 million copies? Maybe a few more than that. Not many. Yeah, it was the launch title, and, and you know, it's not the most exciting franchise. So if you if you are someone who got a Wii U later, you might have gotten the other bigger, flashier games. Right, or, or Mario 3D Land, or World, or whatever it was. Yeah, which, which is another game that they'll hopefully... I think it's one of the... I mean, at this point, we're running out of the big uh, Wii U games, but that's still one of them that yeah. would hopefully get a port. Well, I'm, the big ones for me that I want are Paper Mario Color Splash, even though it's not supposed to be that great. I still want to play it. And then... Um, the other big one is that Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I really want that to come over, and I really want to play that. Those two. Um, then you've also got, uh, oh, yeah, uh, 3D Land as well, but then Super Mario Maker. Oh, which yeah. I, just has to be something where they're doing their best to add a lot, I would imagine. Yeah, and they they're not adding a lot. Yeah, if they aren't adding a lot, then what's the point in it not being out already? Exactly. So that's, so hopefully that'll just be a huge deal. It'll be one of the system sellers or whatever, first-party tent poles for maybe 2020 or something. Or maybe 2019, late in the year. We'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, another couple weird weirder side things is um, there's going to be a new update for Mario Tennis Aces. Not that I'm really big on that, but there is. Uh, more stuff in Splatoon 2, but again, both of those are more just like more of the samey, like more characters, more da more levels, more stuff like that. Um, the Blue Bomber is back in Mega Man 11, so they showed some Mega Man 11 footage. That was exciting, right? Yeah, we got that. It also has the tr the demo was available on Switch eShop, which is one of the things where Kotaku posted an article. Uh, due to the unfortunate uh, earthquakes in Japan, uh, they, they postponed the direct, so we had some things that sort of happened or got announced sort of out of sync with this event yeah. and it seems like the Mega Man 11 demo was one of those things where the the demo just kind of was there all of a sudden on the yeah. eShop one more uh, same thing for Civ 6 being announced that was another oh. announcement they had 
it was sort of announced early by a website uh, that it was coming to the Switch. Right. Another thing that's interesting is there's this new arcade classics collection. Uh, it's like the beat 'em up collection, and the idea is that it's like Final Fight and games like that. That'll be fun if it's priced right. I'd buy that and play that, especially like Couch Co-op would be really fun with two switches. Yeah, no, I, I think those old games do definitely have a uh, appeal, especially if they're co-op, because a lot of times it's fun to play older games with someone because you can just have fun and then stop. Right, right. Um, speaking they... of final, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, there yeah, was a lot, a lot, a lot of Final Fantasy announced for the Switch. So so much that I almost think it was too much. And, and I don't mean to be shitty and look a gift horse in the mouth, but, like, it was kind of too much. Let's be honest. I I mean, it's definitely a good bit. Yeah. Um, the big ones are that Final Fantasy 7, 9, 10, 10, 2, and 12 will all be coming to the Switch. And that's the uh, latest versions of all of those. So, like, I believe the 7 that comes out will probably be that PS4 remake they did, remake in huge quotes. But like, Yeah, same know. with 9. Um, the 10, 10, 2 remakes for PS4, the 12 remake Zodiac, Zodiac Age. Zodiac Age, right. Which is, a, that's the big reason, because everyone was very much like, well, why not 8? Eight? 8 hasn't gotten that treatment ever. Yeah, 8's uh, not beloved. There are people that are all about 8. But 8, I have heard, and I haven't played it all the way through or anything, but I've heard that game is very exploitable, and, like, in the age of min-maxing, it's basically, like, it's it's in some ways very broken. Um, cause now... Because you can use, like, the, the junction system and just destroy that game. I, I mean, I don't know. You tell no, me. I mean, I don't think that's n- inaccurate. But also, these games and these remakes have, have made a point of being, like, taking out that work. Like, all of these games, maybe not, I think the Zodiac Age as well, but, like, all of these games have a speed-up battles or turn-off oh, random Oh, Zodiac battles. Age absolutely does. That was, like, its big claim to fame. They were like, those huge areas that are sprawling and take forever? Not anymore. Speed it up. Yeah, nine, seven. I I don't know about ten, ten, two, but but the point is they've they've made them more accessible and quicker so that you can focus on, excuse me, the story or you know getting to what you want to do or not having to grind as much, which I think are all good. And in fact, I mean, again, this goes to the strength of the Switch. I've been thinking about getting Final Fantasy nine on PS4 for a while, but I I keep going. It's like, man, I'm not gonna want to sit at my couch. Right. And play this, but I do want to like play maybe twenty minutes of before bed and be able to sleep it or stop it very easily. Yeah, well, I mean, this uh, which is just a, a match made in heaven for you because you really have always loved playing things portably and on a smaller screen. I'm much more of a like I'll do that when I'm out and about and sometimes in my chair if it's only on portable systems. But mainly if I'm at home, I want my big glorious HD screen, which is just it's just a difference I think in the way that in what we value in games maybe a little bit. No, I mean, I don't think that's an argument. Again, there are a lot of Switch games I've never seen in console that's mode. That's so crazy. That's so crazy to me because um, I just love that with that with that controller. Um, a couple other quick things real quick. Um, big one for people. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Or were you going with more? I was going with more Final Fantasy. Okay, more Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Crystal Chronicles. Um, this is a big deal because this game, while spawning, whilst it spawned um, the Crystal Bearers as well as... Um, Ring of Fates on on DS or 3DS DS I think and Crystal Bearers on on Wii or Wii U anyway Wii I think um, those were both like like games that it spawned but mainly this is a this is a franchise it's like a side franchise to Final Fantasy it's one of those spin-off games that was actually really cool it had four player co-op in Final Fantasy like back on the GameCube but you had to have Game Boy Advances and Mad Link cables and I actually bought all that shit and me and my friend Matt played those and it was really fun but the only thing that sucks is somebody has to hold the crystal like bucket 
<laughs> and yeah. walk around with it all the time. That kind of sucked. But aside from that, that game's really fun in co-op. It's got it was one of like the first sort of asymm- asymmetrical um, couch co-op experiences. If if that is like a genre at all, it certainly was was novel in that like somebody has to be the carrier of the bucket. <laughs> but no, absolutely. But it's a, it was a cool game, and, and for a lot of people, they've never even heard of it, and now it's like bam. Crystal Chronicles is up in it. You don't need GBAs. You don't need link cables. It's going to be prettier than ever. And, um, you know, it's exciting. No, I mean, it's definitely one. I remember I did play Crystal Chronicles. But, again, I played it without anybody. And it's it's a very weird game to play single no, player. It's not, it's not. Yeah. There, there is that. Although some people said that in some ways it's better because you don't have to carry the bucket. I think the computer does. Anyway, I, I don't know if it's a crystal, you know, shroud or I, who knows what it is. It's something you got to carry. Uh, yeah. And then also... Uh, I think we knew about this, but the World Ends With You um, remake is coming, and it's like the final, final mix is coming as well. Was that just announced? Yeah, it's just, no, it was announced a while ago. I mean, it's out in a couple weeks. I'm um, so psyched, because finally, sorry, Tim, finally I will eventually play that. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that as well. Also, um, Undertale it's always... just came out, by the way. Um, that's that's not at this direct, but that's like, I am on that. Go ahead, man. No, uh, also World of Final Fantasy. It's like updated version. I can't believe is... you're pumped for that. That's so funny. I love it. I'm not super pumped, but I, I when I saw that when that game came out and just the look of it and it's got a more classic feel and the intermingling with classic Final Fantasy characters. There's there's something there that like it got solid enough reviews that it yeah. looks fun. It's like it's like it's like Final Fantasy meets Pokemon meets um like one of those games where all the greatest characters come together for a quest that generally historically those games have always like fallen really flat story-wise this one may be different but like it's usually like oh great all the characters from the cast of persona 3 4 and 5 are together this story can't be interesting you know i don't know that's that's just my take on that i've never found one of those compelling i think you played one of those that was pretty good like q or something i don't know persona q yeah that was a fun game okay but it was more gameplay than stories. So yeah, I mean. yeah, it's very hard to make those have a good story. But hey, I mean, fan service is fan service. I've just never been. I don't know. I love Final Fantasy, but not that much. <laughs> On the flip side, uh, there is a, also a game that is that takes something big and complicated and perhaps overwritten. Uh-oh. And from all all reports, kind of crystallizes it, and that's Final Fantasy Fifteen Pocket Edition. Can you you being somebody who played Fifteen all the way through? Can you tell me like could it work? I mean, I think it's it's definitely a game that takes out a lot of the meandering and focuses you in on the story. So it, it feels – I think it's almost like an abridged version, and it uses the voice acting from that game. I mean, yeah. it, for, a, for a game that completely changes the gameplay and the visuals, it, it retains the narrative. Um, and a lot of people really like 15 Pocket Edition. It got a solid response. Do you think, um, you, you think it would be good? I think it could be. I, okay. I, I mean, it's I'm not so really hard to imagine. It's so hard to imagine that being good. I get that it could be. I get that people say it is. It's really ambitious in it in in a way. Um, but I just don't know about that one. It launched at an introductory price. It's still on sale. It's like forty percent off of its normal thirty dollar pe- price tag. Ninety nine, right? So I mean, you know, if if you want to try it out, now's the time. I've considered it. Uh, I mean, it's on price parity with a lot of the other games i've been considering for switch so i mean it's in my wish list at the very least but wow that's impressive considering you know the whole story already that's impressive i mean i don't feel like i do i feel like a lot of it got lost in the jumble and i would hope that a like again a focused experience would let me 
appreciate get the, the story and I, yeah, appreciate it because I don't want to say that I didn't know the plot points, but I didn't feel anything about it. Yeah, whereas but a lot some of people, people did. Yeah, that game has a, a huge passionate fan base for the story and the characters, and I, I wish I again. That's what I always say when it's a game I don't connect with. If it's not outright bad, I'm like, I wish I could feel that way about it. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what um, you mean. Anyway, any what are the other big things? Let's 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 wrap up direct here. And there's a couple biggies, right? Unless you had any other little ones you wanted to mention. No, no, those were the I think all of the big ones I had. Oh well, you didn't you didn't bring up the end. Oh no, yeah, sorry, yeah, the end was no. I mean, I was. Uh, I'm all more the big I, little ones. All the big yeah, all the ones. big things I had for the little ones. Yeah, okay. not to be confusing. Yes, we <laughs> know yes, what it we did end. Hopefully, you do too, listeners. It did end with a pretty big announcement that, again, is one of those things where I'm I'm always surprised that it's such a beloved thing. But people who like Animal Crossing really like Animal Crossing, but they really like Isabel. So her announcement as a playable character in Smash was a huge deal for people. And the way they um, did it, the way they rolled it out, is they had a cutscene that was not discernible. And this is how it started. This was the end. It was the one more thing. It was like three minutes left in the stream. Everybody's looking at the end. It's like, okay, we got three minutes left. All right. And then... Uh, at least that's how it was for me because I watched it online uh, on on like a like a video. Maybe for some people they didn't know quite how long it was. Either way, it, it was you could tell very clearly it was the end, um, and they it wasn't discernible that it was like what like what what they were announcing. It didn't it, the announcement of her in Smash was not like Smash looking. It was just her like writing in her journal talking about her next big adventure. And so you could clearly think this is the next Animal Crossing game. It's the end. It's got to be big. And then... It definitely... No, yeah. It definitely became a little more obvious as she started talking about Smash. Yeah. Um, and Pocket Camp. So, I mean, maybe it could go either way. But yeah, no. It was it was this big reveal. She gets a letter. She gets invited to Smash. And, uh, you know, Animal Crossing getting another character makes sense for its popularity. Uh, I guess because I haven't played the more recent Animal Crossings as vehemently or as, as um, vigorously as I did the earlier ones, yeah. Isabel's not as big a character to me, but she does definitely represent more recent Animal Crossing She games. was big in New Leaf, I understand. So for me, I played only the first Animal Crossing on um, GameCube extensively. When that came out, I got it, I played it, and I understood at that point in my life why Animal Crossing is awesome. I was obsessed with it. I was uh, pissing off Rossetti by, you know, changing my clock and all that good stuff. And then, eventually, like, a DS one came out, and I think I played, like, maybe five or ten hours of that one, or whatever the next one was. I don't remember. Wide World, yeah, on the DS. Yeah, so that one came out, and I played, like, maybe ten hours of that one. That was it for me. I never played New Leaf. I never played anything else, whatever else there was. Um, And I have gotten to the point now where, like, I would rather die than play Animal Crossing. Not that it's a bad game, but for me to spend that much time doing essentially watching grass grow and basically being in a game that isn't really made to be played played. It's meant to be kind of like a side game to whatever other game you're playing, unless I'm wrong about that. No, I mean, it's definitely a game where it's like you visit the town a little bit each day. You see if there are digging spots or you go fishing or maybe there's a town event. I mean, it's meant to be lived in, not yeah, I just get conquered. Annoyed. I get it. Yeah, exactly. And I just get annoyed by it. I don't want to, like, like pay off my debt anymore. I already did that once or twice. I don't want to, like, decorate my place. I've already done that in this game and a million others. And so that that isn't to throw any, you know, shade on the series. But, but anyway, people have been dying for a new one for a long time. The most recent thing they did was they put, you know, the, the pocket camp on uh, the phones. And then before that, they had a big update 
um, to, or maybe it was, you know, coincident with that big update to, um, uh, what is it? New leaf, right. Where they like updated it, brought it into the new something. Well, know. they have, I mean, the biggest things they, yeah. Cause they, the most recent games were pocket camp and then happy home designer that was about designing homes. And there was amiibo festival, which was a board game. So wait, I thought happy home designer was part of, it wasn't, it wasn't part of new leaf. No, it was a separate oh, game. Wow. It was his own skew. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Anyway, anyway, so it's a big series, and so after after they announced her in Smash, then Tom Nook rolls up onto the screen, and it's like, oh wait, everybody's like dying that's an Animal Crossing fan, like, oh my god, they teased me, and now there's not going to be an Animal Crossing. Then Tom Nook rolls out, and it could, and it was set up the same way. Could have easily been Tom Nook being announced for Smash also, but no, new Animal Crossing next year, is it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so new Animal Crossing is coming, full-on game. The Switch could not be a better console for it. It's hugely popular. That game is going to be a smash hit, although I have a little trouble understanding why. Maybe I don't, but understanding why, I would care. I mean, you don't have to care. I mean, it's exactly. it's made for its audience, exactly. which is the people that... And I mean, I'm interested enough. I've always you wanted to get it? back to it. You may play it. No, definitely I might oh, okay. play it. Oh, okay, awesome. I played New Leaf a little. I just didn't play a lot of it, but I yeah. feel like it... Could be a good thing. I mean, the reason I liked playing it so much was I played the first one with my mom, and we both liked it, and we had fun oh, just yeah. exploring the town. And I could see maybe doing that with my fiancé, because Animal Crossing is just, like, fun to explore. It's just, how long will that fun last? Yeah, but. I hear you. One last little thing also I want to mention is a little disappointing for me. Not really, but um, I really liked Yokai Watch, the original. Um, and then I want to play it with Yokai Watch 2, but I'm really bummed because Yokai Watch 3 looks awesome, and it's like it's like Japan making fun of America. Is like you go to America in Yokai Watch 3, and they're like it seems like they're just skipping that one. So they're bringing they brought Yokai Watch 1, then Yokai Watch 2, Bony Spirits, and whatever else, Fleshy Souls. Then they had a third game in the of two. Now they're bringing out. Whatever this other one is, Blasters, Yokai Watch Blasters, and still not three. So we may never get three, and I'm just a little pissed about that, but whatever. Yeah. I'm one of the only people. Very few people care, but Yokai Watch did it. Like, it really blew up for like five minutes in the US, and then it kind of went out with a whimper, which is sad, because it's a really good game. And when I was like, you know, in that sad, like, days after finishing my Pokedex in uh, Sun and Moon, and I was like, really like pining for more, like, Yokai Watch really filled that that void for me in a beautiful way so um the game has a place gotcha um all right so that's the direct that's exciting man yeah meanwhile landing with i don't know maybe there's excitement <laughs> for this timothy just the thought whimper, of it a comparative whimper just okay yeah playstation in uh, granted it was the tokyo game show but over here it was like the dead of night so you know not great optics on the american side but I, obviously i get it uh, they announced the PlayStation Classic is coming out. 20 games. They didn't even tell us what they all are. Uh, they told us five of them, and it's 100 bucks. Seems like a lot, man. Gotta tell you. Seems like a lot. Feels like a lot. Like, well, I mean, now, it's a, it's comparable. Like, what was the Super Nintendo Classic? 80, and I ended up paying, like, 115, because I had to get it, like, with a bunch of packing nonsense. But, yeah. It's amazing. It's comparable on that end. And, I mean, if you look at the games announced to start you've got i mean final fantasy 7 alone but again it just got announced for the switch not to mention it's available everywhere right uh tekken 3 is you know like probably widely considered the best tekken okay uh, for the system right. ridge racer wild arms and jumping flash these are games that are emblematic of the playstation but my my question is like 
what are the other 15? And like what PlayStation classics that could be on this thing haven't been re-released to death slash are get like, I mean, what are some big ones you'd think of immediately? Spyro and Crash already have been remade. Um, you know, the Final Fantasies are infinitely ported. It's, it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, now granted, I'm someone who didn't get excited about the NES Classic or the SNES Classic. What is this to you? Um, it is something that I don't need. Um, because all those games are available everywhere else. The thing about the Super NES Classic that's cool for me, the only reason that's the one I bought, is because it has a couple games on it that make it very unique. Playing Earthbound is going to be really fun on there. Yes, I can play it on Wii, but I don't have that set up right now. I would love to play it with the original controller the way original people played Mother 2 slash Earthbound. I also wanted to play Secret of Mana, because when the remake came out, it was shitty. And I want to play Secret of Mana all the way through, because I played it a little bit when I was younger, and I loved the art style and all that. Never got to fully play it. So those games were big driving forces for me. Also, there's, you know, Contra, and the Mario games, and there's just so many good games that are so great, and they're all in this tiny little, really cute little package. I have great memories of Super Nintendo. The game library is unbeatable. And to top it all off, I could really justify it, because it's the only way to get Star Fox 2. So yeah. for those reasons, that system was a buy for me and not a, eh, it's 60 bucks. I don't need an NES Classic as much as people want them. Um, this one, we'll see. I don't see myself picking it up. It's just, it just doesn't, I would be more inclined to get that Neo Geo thing. God. It's cool. Well, though, I man. think I get why they're doing it because of the success of the NES and the SNES Classic. To me, it's like Nintendo has been much more especially with the Super Nintendo stuff, it's a lot harder to still play them. They're not as widely available. I mean, if you're going with the current systems, they're not like they're not on Switch yet, and maybe some of them are on the 3DS Virtual Console. But, I mean, for the most part, these aren't things that are easily available, whereas the PlayStation Classic, I mean, it depends on what they put on there. There are a lot of classic PlayStation games, but it's like, what are they going to pick? I mean, I was trying to think of games that are both you know, classically considered Some as PlayStation games, games. Like Bushido Blade and... and yeah, that's know, what I was thinking. Stuff like, like that. Came down to, like, Bushido Blade or Legend of Dragoon, these games that are probably fondly remembered. But, like, for me, the PlayStation was, like, the weird small games that are probably never going to get on this thing. Like, I remember playing the Digimon World games and Legend of Lagaya, a silent bomber. These aren't, like, hits by any mean. Huh. Speaking of which, I don't know why you never played Cyber Sleuth. I thought you'd be about that, now that I think about it. I didn't know you played Digimon. No, yeah, it's. It, I would like to, I just haven't. Yeah, I mean, hey, time is not an infinite resource, I get it, believe me. Especially in this modern age, man, gaming is just, yeah. woo, there's so much of it. Um, I mean, so so we'll see, we'll, you know, obviously talk about it more when they announce what other games are on it, but for now, it's like, I get why, why they're making it, but it's not exciting to me. Got it. Well, hey, that said... Um, let's talk about what is exciting to us right now, which is what, what, let me put it in quotes, what else we've been playing other than (laughs) Spider-Man PS4. Um, we both played Spider-Man PS4 pretty quickly. I think it took me a week and a half. I think it took you three days. (laughs) Yeah, I read by four days. I I went over the red box once. I red boxed mine. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. You do that $7 thing. Yeah, me too. Every time it's the hookup. Um, but yeah, um, so I, yeah, I, I, I think I paid $27 for that game. I think I had it for nine days. Um, and so, you know, because I, re- I, I platinumed it, by the way. But anyway, I digress. Um, I may bring that up again in the other thing. Don't think I'm bragging or anything. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it, it is not objectively a hard game to platinum. It is not. It is not at all. And that's one of the reasons I did it. Is it, it, There's no, like, replay the entire game on hard mode. 
You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. That that's the, it's 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 a good game to platinum for that reason. I mean, I think I got to seventy five. I almost would have, but because I was working the next day, I would have had to re rent it twice. So I was just like. My my plan right now, and we're getting a little bit, is just to wait till all the DLCs yep. are out and yep. re-render. Because you gotta play those. You mean you just do? And so yeah, that'll be a perfect. And then you'll platinum it, and then you'll get the, yeah, you'll double platinum, whatever they call it. Okay. Um. So in the meantime, though, before we get to the big the big heavy hitter that we got to talk about, um, real quick, let's just go through a couple of the other things we've been playing. Um. Do you have anything uh, hot off the presses for us? I have two that I'm gonna mention. Um. Okay. Uh, and I'll hit them quickly because my second one is going to probably segue right to you. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first was that I got into the Breach for Switch. Okay. Which was the last Nintendo Direct. They It was like their, their Nindies Direct. It was the, this game is available today. Um, and it's from the creators of FTL, Faster Than Light, which is, you know, a hugely successful and popular roguelike game uh, about man- managing a spaceship. This one is where you play as pilots of robot mechs that go to these different islands and fight kaiju essentially they're called the vec they're just giant bug-like creatures that are trying to destroy the city um and you pick your missions uh it's basically everything plays out on an eight by eight grid that's the size of every map in the game um barring environmental changes but it never gets bigger it's always eight by eight it's basically like little puzzle maps because it'll give you objectives uh to to get bonus stuff uh, and so you, you pick your mechs. What's cool is they're different loadouts, essentially. So you start off with, like, a very basic set that do sort of the basic fire or movement stuff. But then you'll also get ones that can, like, chain lightning. Um, it's it's hard to talk about because there's just a lot you unlock. But at the basic level, it's you pick where your mechs land. Um, and then you take turns like you would in, S- in an SRPG. None of the matches last longer than, I think, it's five rounds. Um, and what's interesting about it is that before, your enemies always telegraph their moves. So, like, basically the enemy goes first, and they'll move, and it'll be like, they're now threatening this town, or they're going to attack you, or they're going to go after this objective. And so each round becomes a puzzle on how to prevent it, because before they actually attack, you move and attack, and so do you protect a town by putting your mech in the way, or can you knock the enemy out of hitting the town and maybe help cause it to hit another enemy? Because there are certain resources. Uh, towns provide the energy that powers your mech, so every time the towns get damaged, uh, you your meter for power starts to run down, and that's progressive throughout the entire campaign, and there are ways to boost it back up. I hope uh, so. But basically, it's like, you want to survive as long as possible, because you can outlast them, or if you kill everything, more are constantly spawning out of the ground throughout the, the match. Okay. Um, and you can use their bodies or your bodies to, like, block it for a point of damage. And the damage totals are really low. I mean, your your mechs start around two to three hit points. Uh, even the higher-level bugs are only, like, eight hit points. So it really is a matter of, like, measuring your movements, using the environmental effects. And it's like every map is a puzzle. Um, the mission types are pretty varied. There's stuff where it's, like, defend this train that's, like, moving. Or there's a terraformer you have to protect, and you can use that to terraform the regions or there's like there will be environmental effects like tidal waves coming in that take out land titles or earthquakes um it was a hard game to get my head around so i feel like even just explaining it there's a lot to it but just playing it losing it a little bit but i but i want to get it because it sounds interesting it's very like when you play it it's very straightforward because what it comes down to is you know what your enemy is going to do when when the turn is over and your goal is to prevent as much damage as possible um, and then each, um, 
each run through is interesting because when you finish a run through, whether you live or die, your one of your pilots can like time travel back to the beginning. So your character can progress because they can level up and equip new weapons and um, mech types that you unlock throughout the game. Uh, so like playthroughs will be really short. There's four islands total, and you can go do like the final mission after two, three, or four islands. So you can kind of, but the game gets harder as you go on. Um, so it's all about sort of customizing it to your appearance, and it's more, it's less about a huge variety of gameplay because a lot of the mission types will be the same. But it is about like you know knowing how do I make this particular combination of mechs work because wait, so some the of them entire, are wait so the entire game is like a little bit roguelite or or just replayable rather than like a big campaign. Yes, like it's more based on the different because there's like a lot of achievements, a lot of new things to unlock. Because some of the mechs are more interesting. Like, some are very straightforward. Some will be just like, you shoot a bullet, and this will cause the enemy to move one. Or, this character is a punching unit, and if you get up close, you'll punch it. But then it'll have one that's, like, a grappling hook. And it doesn't have an offensive capability, but you can, like, use its grappling hook to pull, like, an enemy unit into the path of another enemy unit. Okay, or you can so, use so it's it. Very, so it's very, like, e- complementary. Like, you want to, like, work together. You want to, like, figure out, like, sick combinations and stuff. Yeah. And so you're you want to kill things because they're always spawning, but you also are just trying to figure out the best way to survive. Right. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's very quick. Like individual maps last maybe five to ten minutes because they're so short. So it's really easy to just keep playing and, and having a good time. I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, Excellent. And it's only fifteen dollars, so it's worth checking out on the Switch. Solid. Solid. Well, the only uh, other one, the only other one I'm going to talk about, I'll just talk about it because we're both going to be talking about the other one, right? Yeah. So the only other one I'm going to talk about is just um, the messenger. Um, did I talk about that in the last episode yet at all? I think a little bit. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's not too much more to say about that. It's a good game. Um, it's not as great as it could be. Um, it's it's I don't well because I don't know what I've said on the last episode. It's been a little while since we recorded. I won't go too into it, but it's a really interesting game because it starts out as a 2D side scroller, a la Ninja Gaiden, and then it turns into a Metroidvania. But unfortunately, re- counter to what I expected, the Metroidvania part is less good than the than the Ninja Gaiden part, um, and that was the opposite. That's what I was curious about. Yeah, I was because like that's been the thing. Some people love it all the way through, but a lot of people have been like, once it opens up, it gets a little more repetitive and and empty. Well, you have to right. It does get a little empty. Also, it's incredibly directionless. I have never played a game where it's more impossible to figure out what you need to do next. Like, they have this thing, it's like a hint system, where the little guy, like, he's this really... And the thing about the game you wouldn't know is it's got an incredible sense of humor. It is... It's like Shovel Knight, but a little bit less modern, in, in the especially in the earlier parts. Like, a little bit more Ninja Gaiden, a little less Shovel Knight polish. Um, and... And yet, but add, like, Shovel Knight was a little bit, like, tongue-in-cheek. Just turn that up to 11. Like, this is the tongue-in-cheekest. Like, every time you go uh, to, like, go into this little, like, level where there's this little guy and he powers you up, he'll, like, say, you, you can ask him, like, what to do next, what level you're in, or to tell you a story. And he tells you, like, a little, like, life parable, and he's really sarcastic about it. And it's very, like, third-wall-breaking um, language. There's these, like, two, like, the bosses you fight are things like these two giants that like are like playing with you they're like play wrestling and they and you think it's real kind of thing you get my point like it's just it's yeah. it's lighter it's not as serious as it would seem later on it gets a little more serious in tone but it's really like very jokey but in a really good way it's very well written i would say like 
80% of the lines are great. 10 to 20% are pretty good. So it's really quite well written for what it is. But like once you get to the the Metroidvania part, which I was unfortunately pushing through to that part because I really thought that was like when the game was going to be awesome. And unfortunately, I then learned that like the beginning part's the <laughs> awesomest. Um, so don't do that. If you're playing this game, like enjoy it from the beginning. Because I was like, well, of course it's going to get better once the once it turns 16 bit. Once I can like you know maneuver my character a little bit more tactfully or or, or artfully, or I have like more control over him and there's more directions, you know, because there's just more I would thought I'd be able to do in 16 bit, but really it's just a graphical thing it's not mechanical so it's like you have the exact same controls and the exact same skills pretty much all the way through the game or once you level some of it up so you don't need to get to the 16-bit part to see what that game is you'll know right away it's just once you get to the end or this the, the midpoint or like two-third point whatever it, nah, i guess the midpoint and you start this metroidvania part you'll have no idea where to go i spent three hours looking to figure out where to go next and just searching aimlessly through these areas the only way to know is to go online and look, or to pay three hundred dollars for a hint, three hundred coins, and you need those coins to level up and and like do stuff. So it sucks spending them. This is like wandering into the first couple hours of a uh, show, a uh, Hollow Knight. Yes, but way less enjoyable. Like <laughs> that game is so fun to play in a way that this game isn't, especially when you're aimless. When you're going left to right and just like getting through parts and feeling like the mastery of beating each section, that has a reward in and of itself. Um, but like when you get to this meandering part, like the mechanics start feeling annoying instead of fun and the checkpoints start feeling too far apart. And like, like imagine this, you're, you're playing a Metroidvania and you're exploring areas to like, so you, you, you hit a checkpoint, then you go like five or six or seven screens over cause it's screen based. And like, you're almost at this eighth screen and you're not even sure if when you get to the eighth screen, if it's going to be anything, you're just going to maybe wonder if it's something and you don't make it cause you die. And then you go all the way back, seven screens back only to start the same quest over that will probably lead nowhere anyway. You see what I mean? Right. So it's just it's just that part's really frustrating. But if you pay for the hints, it lists right on your map where you're supposed to go, and that changes everything. So all I would say is don't think you're being a baby getting hints in that section. You either need to go online or you need to get a hint because it is it, – otherwise you just – I mean it's like six, seven mindless hours of exploring, and you may still never find it. There's just no way to know. So That's anyway, unfortunate. It is unfortunate. That said, the game is really fun overall, but it's just it, – it's – Anyway, it's missing a little bit, but that first section is really fun. And what's really cool about it is the enemies, they are about traversal. So they don't exist to be tough. They exist to like be like an impediment to you traversing the levels, if that makes sense. So like there'll be a guy shooting stuff at you, and you need to take him out so that he stops shooting these balls that are kind of blocking you from jumping to that platform easily. Um, so it's it's very cool like that. And like at first, you, you'll only be able to, you know, swipe left and right, and then later, you'll get a glide ability that lets you, like, glide over air ducts and float up, and then you can slash down, but only when you're gliding. So it's got these really tight, solid mechanics that evolve as you go um, in a really cool way. So it's got a lot going for it. It's definitely worth getting and playing, but just do not rush through the beginning part thinking that it's going to get better, because it doesn't. Anyway. Gotcha. Yep. Um, other than that, boy, can I not wait to hear your thoughts on the next one. So hit me well, with hit this so here's the thing um what i've been playing a lot of is rise of the tomb raider okay all right because i never finished it um uh for for a couple reasons i don't know i just wasn't maybe in the mood for it when the first one came out but i did play it wait 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 how Um, are you playing it you didn't red box that did you no it's part of game pass 
Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, so I was like, I really wanted to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider because it's coming out and it looks really good. And so I decided to go back. Um, I started over because I realized two things. Um, one was that I thought, you know, I didn't remember enjoying it as much. And, you know, there there comes a point in your life. <laughs> yes, Jordan. Where there are now there are certain games I still enjoy the hard mode for. But I realized that what I did when I started Rise of the Tomb Raider was put it on survival mode right out the gate. That was probably uh, inadvisable. Yeah, so I saw that and was like, I don't know what three year, 24-year-old me was thinking. I would like to enjoy the story for this game. Right. So I put it on a more reasonable difficulty, and, you know, I'm just kind of now... I mean, yeah, I'm playing through a little bit. It is a lot easier on the lower difficulty, no surprise. Right. Um, but I'm still having fun with it. Uh, I'm probably... I feel like I'm getting near the end. It's hard to tell um, specifically. But what I will say is... It definitely continues all the things about Tomb Raider 2013 that were a lot of fun. It adds stuff, you know, it fleshes out all the upgrades and whatnot. But I do think it suffers from the story just not being as engaging as the first one. No question. Um, you know, the whole thing with Trinity, they do try to make some personal ties to it and protecting her father's legacy. But it's just not that engaging, the stuff that's going on. I mean, it feels... It feels a little more like where Tomb Raider had it very personal and the stakes of her survival and her becoming and her crew and she wants to save them and she's so desperate and youthful. And I feel like they this is the third game with Shadow. It's the third game in the row where it's like see the birth of the Tomb Raider for real uh, this time. Yeah, yeah, yo, yo, it's like yo, every one of these games is probably been. gonna bust out the two pistols, y'all, y'all. It's coming, man. It's coming. Wait, wait. Is that a second pistol? Wait. Anyway. Well, no, because it's like, yeah, the first one was like, see what led her to becoming Tomb Raider, and it's the Tomb Raider of legend, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. With the second one, that was kind of the tagline, too, where it's like, this is her kind of taking on that role, and it's like, that made at least a little sense, since, you know, the first one was like a traumatic event, this is her stepping into it, but now it's like the third one. Just from a marketing perspective, it's like, okay, she's the Tomb Raider. Right, right. Um, But yeah, the second one's story just just isn't as engaging. Apparently there's some really corny story beat where, like, I don't know what it is yet because I'm not that far. But apparently there's some, like, corny story beat when she, like, steps into the role in some visual way, I think. Yeah, I remember seeing that as, like, the defining moment of becoming the Tomb Raider or something on, like, the box copy. No, but um, Rise is – it's very much the gameplay stuff fun, but it just feels adventure-wise more like a, you know, Uncharted 2 or Uncharted 3 where it's, like – it's a fun – it's a fine, solid adventure, but you're not getting, like – a lot of extra depth for the character. And what I really liked about Tomb Raider 2013 is how uh, fleshed out and engaging Lara was. Yeah. From everything I've heard, there is at least more attempts at, at being a little deeper with Shadow of the Tomb Raider in terms of how it's presenting its story. Um, but I'm going to pass it to you because I know yeah. you've been playing Shadow yeah. of the Tomb Raider. Not ton. So I'm about four hours in. I red boxed it and I'll probably do the same thing where I'll play it for like 15 or $20 when all is said and done. Um, And it is – so I actually got really discouraged about Shadow of the Tomb Raider because the reviews are not that great. Have you noticed? I've seen – I now, I've only seen a couple of websites, but I've seen them. I thought they were fine. There's like one or two nines and a lot of 7.5s and 6.5s, bro. Lots of them. Uh, When you really look, you'll be like, oh, wait. At least a lot of the sites I've looked at, like – um, I believe Game Informer gave it like a six five, or maybe they were one of the high. I don't remember. Yeah, I think they were a six five, and another one. IGN, was a I think. 
Yeah, IGN was a 7.5. Kotaku seemed, they don't do numbers, but they seemed pretty positive on it. Yeah. So those are like well, my go tos. That's big, yeah. Um, but I mean, a 7.5 for the third Tomb Raider game, like that's that's that that says something and and yeah review scores are hella skewed sorry i don't know why i said that they're very skewed in in you know in the favor of like nines and 9.5s and if it's a huge triple a game that doesn't get a nine or above it's like what's wrong with this game but like because that's the status quo like what's wrong with this game you know and that's what i've been wondering i will tell you um yeah i think it was kimberly wallace i think she's yeah she's a um She's she's Game Informer, so I think she was a seven five, and I definitely saw a six five somewhere else, which blew my mind. I think it was I think it was Games Radar, maybe. Yeah, it was Games Radar. I watched that one like the other night. Anyway, the 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 a lot of people are saying that like this game much more focuses on stealth, and the stealth is a little janky. It just is. Like like you'll kill somebody in what's totally not a stealth kill, and it'll say stealth kill. It doesn't actually say it, but it's on the screen, right? Um, and then there's other times when, like, clearly somebody shouldn't have saw you, but they saw you. Or clearly they should have saw you walk right in front of them, and they didn't notice you. So it's stealth, but it's not, like, super polished. In fact, I'm noticing that this is the buggiest of the three. And the overall, it feels like it's just a little rushed. I think this game needed about three more, hour- three more hours. Three more, <laughs> three more hours. Right. Three more They could have tightened up the graphics on level three with that level three time. bro level three needed it man just a little tightening um but yeah no i mean this this game needed like three more months of polish and it didn't get it and it, it, for what it is that's fine it still plays perfectly well um it's i let me say this though story-wise um i thought when i heard that this one was going to be like the mayan apocalypse and she unleashes it because i'm always a little bit like yeah and they go a little far with this supernatural shit in these games you know and this one's just like oh my god it's going to be like apocalyptic level like that's a little much so far though i'm digging it story-wise like i really like the story i like that she did something fucked up by accident in the name of goodness she screwed up you know, due to, you know, impetuousness and, you know, pomposity yeah. and whatever. Those um, are, like, the big things I've seen is that it's, like, confronting, or at least to some level, the idea of, like, the colonial implications of what she does. Okay. Well, that's cool. I, I mean, that's, that's, there's, there's, there's some, there's some interesting politics there that, that maybe they'll explore more as the game goes on. For now, she's just impetuous and, and thinks she's saving the world. I get what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinks she's saving the world and, like, you know, her friend Jonah, who's awesome, everybody says he's, like, the standout in this game especially, um, is is basically like, you know, why are you the only one who can save the world? What's What what are you thinking? Not in a mean way, but, like, maybe, like, you shouldn't risk yourself this way. Let other people handle this. Like, you're not the only one that matters. Things like that. And that's good. It's important that she sort of gets a little more balanced because older Tomb Raider that we see in the later games, she may be a little bit jumpy and quick to quick to anger and things like that but she's balanced you know she's very mature the older tomb raider and this younger one isn't in this game you really see that so honestly so far i'm gonna go out on a limb because i'm only four hours in so far and say that i like this story second best in the series at least so far maybe it'll take the crown i certainly like it better than the second one i feel like that second one felt very fillerish it felt like it came out really quickly and it felt like the story was just like, okay, there's these two people, they're doing really shitty things, they're so clearly villainous, you know, and it's just, I don't know, I just never liked the crux of that story. And the more I play this one now, the more I'm like, yep, 
you know, that wasn't just me. Like, I really, or just me at the time. I really don't like the way that game played out. I just don't like that story. I just didn't. Now, some of the worlds exploring in that game are really fun. You know, walking around those different vis- those vistas and, and those um, those hub worlds, as they call them. And I, I loved that. And collecting all the collectibles no, I, and all that I'm stuff. I'm definitely enjoying, like, that aspect of my time with it. Because they are, like, it is a, what they put together was fun and a fun, like, gameplay style with the smaller world hubs. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm just – it's hard to feel as compelled to move forward. No, absolutely. And I, I remember – one thing I will say is I have not had fun – I'd say I, the first one, and part of it was the novelty of it. But part – the first game was 50% more fun than any than either of the second or the third have been so far, period. And I, get, and I give about 30% of that difference to the novelty of it was all brand new and very unique and very well done. And I would give 20% to the better story and just it being a better game, especially narratively. Um, that said, time fa- makes things fade. And that's why things like game God of War on PS4 you know, had to evolve so much to be the masterpiece that it is. It couldn't just be the next God of War game and be considered a masterpiece because that was five, six years ago. So, you know, that's what a lot of people are saying about this, and I don't want to, you know, just jump on that bandwagon. But yeah, it is getting a little stale at this point. But again, I love the mechanics so much. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with this being, you know, very much more of the same. And me going around, now there's, one of the reviews I said saw said there's like 21 collectible um resources now that you use to build stuff like it's gone up even more yet this isn't what they said but i'm saying this now yet the level up screen and the leveling your weapons is all simpler than it ever was like there's less ways to make your character unique or to level her in a way that feels very impactful to this to the game like you, you know when you play certain i'll give you a great example last of us that game is great in almost every way but you got to admit leveling up in that game and increasing your powers like felt so unimpactful did you feel that way it was like what wait i got an upgrade i can't even feel it yeah i I would agree with that and so it's like that in a lot of ways in this game it's like they don't want to steal away all of her cool abilities that she has from that game so like they just like basically say oh you want to have you know a special blinding shot on your pistol add-on we're gonna now make that an upgrade on your upgrade tree or oh, you want to you know roll out of danger when you land, okay? Or right after you kill somebody, you're immune from it damage for a short period of time. Nothing that feels like oh yeah, I just got you know the thing that lets me like clunk people with my anyway. I don't remember all the cool stuff in Rise of the Tomb Raider or the first one, but the leveling just isn't as satisfying as you go. But again, I like the game so much. I love the story so far. It's got a really good antagonist, and I'm enjoying it. Um, I, also, my expectations were set low. Rise of the Tomb Raider, my expectations were set super high. People were like, oh my god, it takes everything that's great about 2013 and makes it better. This one, I heard that it's like, yeah, this game's getting kind of stale. The story's kind of histrionic. Um, it's only okay. So I'm going in, and everything is like a win, you know, because I'm like, awesome, <laughs> this is great. It's way better than any of these people said. So, so far, I'm digging it, and again, that just speaks to expectations. And I'll talk about it more, and hopefully you're going to pick it up, right, and play it? No, it's yeah. That's the main reason I've been playing um, Rise again is I wanted to at least finish that one. Right, right. Awesome. Anyway, that's my take on Shadow so far. Um, definitely my second favorite of the three if I had to pick it right now. Um, but again, that's not a fair comparison. So to be continued. No, sounds good. Awesome. So uh, what does that mean, uh, 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 Peter? Uh, well, it's time to talk Spider-Man. Awesome. So we both finished this last week. Um, and so it's, it's not 
like literally yesterday fresh, but I did take some notes, um, and uh, I can't wait to talk about this. So we started talking a little bit earlier um, about Insomniac, you know, the developer behind this. Um, what do you? What were your expectations, just real quickly, going into this game based on the pedigree of Insomniac and what we'd heard about this game, and then also the last couple Spider-Man games? Uh, you know, I'll be honest. Like, I was not the most excited for this game as I could have been. Mm-hmm. Especially, and a lot know. of. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that comes to Insomniac has had solid but not exceptional games recently. Um, and also just the fact that to look at it, it was hard to tell what was setting this apart. It certainly um, was. It looked like the same web swinging I've done three or four games ago up till now. And I mean, Visually. a lot of that. Yeah, visually. And I mean, a lot of it is execution, right? You know, there's no bad ideas. There's just bad execution. And we've seen, I mean, you know, and it's, it's even that. It's that when you look at Spider-Man games past, when you consider Spider-Man 2, Web of Shadows, The Amazing Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, Spider-Man 3, there have been a lot of Spider-Man games built around web swinging through an open world New York. There sure um, have. And even and games you know, that aren't called Spider-Man where you do kind of that. No, New York, I mean, by far, what, there's got to be at least 30, 40 open-world New Yorks in video games at this point. I, that may be a little a little drastic, but close. I mean, Spider-Man accounts for a half dozen, so yeah, I, I mean... that's true. I guess that's true. It's, it's a popular location. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, or at least, like, approximations like Liberty City and Grand Theft Auto. Right, right. Roger that. Um, it's, it's just a very popular location. Um, so to me going in, my big hope was, uh, I don't know what the gameplay is going to be like, or if it's going to be that world, um, mind blowing, but I really hoped for a good story. And, you know, everything that I was seeing on that end did look good. It, you know, we were seeing the Sinister Six, we were seeing a new main villain with Mr. Negative getting a big starring role. Love that idea, by the way. Even before I got into it, I was like, yes, thank goodness. Not more just Dr. Octopus. Not more just Green Goblin. Thank goodness. And somebody new. And an and Asian main antagonist to boot? Yes, please. You know? Something yeah, different. And it was also bringing in more recent mythology stuff. Miles Morales is in the game pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, and we kind of knew he'd I mean, be in it at least somewhat, but not nearly as much as he was. I didn't know anyway. Yeah, and Mr. Negative himself is only 11 years old since he was first created. So, I mean, it's it did a re- – like, the, the my hope was it was going to do a good mix of classic Spider-Man and more modern stuff. And, you know, before we go forward, we both finished the game, so we're both going to, you know, this is going to be full spoilers. Yeah, absolutely full spoilers. Um, There's no other way to talk about it and have, like, the kind of conversation we want to have. So if you haven't played it yet, just red box it and play it for four days. I mean, you, you yeah. should. Um, um, go no, I mean, yeah, my expectation going in was basically I wasn't prepared, like, to have my mind blown, but I was hoping, you know what, Insomniac's made good games in the past. Sunset Overdrive really did feel like a dry run for this kind of, like, acrobatic gameplay. Right. You know, let's see what they got. That, that was really where I was at. And, and really, yeah. it was just the fact that my Twitter timeline blew up. Everybody was talking about this game that I couldn't just wait for it anymore. I had to, as soon as I knew I had a couple consecutive days off, rent it and play it. Well, yeah, and the other thing, yeah, and I was part of that Twitter blow up. And, and you know... The thing about this game is 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 a lot of what you're saying. What got what ripped me kicking and screaming into excitement over this game was the the collective excitement over this game. 
Um, it is it is something that everybody else was way more excited about it. I'll use a great example, E3. This was the one game, the thing that got me that that PlayStation showed off that was going to come out this year in their big E3 conference. And that was the thing that I loved about it, but at the same time I was like, wow, I almost wish any of those other first party exclusives were coming out this year instead. And then cuz I don't I mean, I like these games, but I don't love them the way I like like uh, you know, certain other games that I love. I don't want to use examples because they'll all be just weird examples. But there, I don't. I didn't have the kind of anticipation for this game, even that I would for like a new Assassin's Creed, maybe even. Um, but the buzz was so good, and the idea that it was going to be like this, just this really fun to play game, and have cool power ups, and be this Spider-Man story, and 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 even still, I was just pumped, and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to play it because this game is going to be really good. Partly because I knew how much money was put into it. They gave Insomniac carte blanche. They brought Brian into her. Um, he was known as Fragile Eagle back in the uh, 1UP days. I was a big 1UP podcast fan, and they called him Fragile Eagle. I finally got the answer of this because he used to be like a big like EA apologist. And so whenever people would shit on like that year's Madden, he'd be like, no, man, it's great. And they called him Fragile E-Eagle, Eagle, right? Which, which seems like a stretch, but that's where he got that nickname. But anyway, this is a guy that came from games criticism. He's like us, except you know he was at one of the big uh, outlets talking about games, living games, loving games, and now he's making games. So I love that aspect of it. I also loved that I know that Sony put a huge amount of money behind this, much like God of War, that there's a huge budget, that everything in the kitchen sink was thrown into making it as good as it could be. Also, I love a beautiful story-driven AAA experience. And that is what this is. So for all those reasons, I was excited. Less so than it was a Spider-Man game, and less so that it was even this game. I was sort of like, okay, I hope it differentiates itself. Love the fact that it had an original villain. But anyway, so I wasn't that pumped, and it even took me a couple hours to really love even playing it. But well, I anyway. think no. I mean, I kind of agree. It's like this game's been public for a long time. It's been two and a half years since it was announced at A3 2016. Um, and you know, even that showcase, because I remember like, cause the criticism then, and this is a question I definitely like think deserves its own section in a little bit, but like the thing then was it looked like Insomniac was trying to make Spider-Man's Arkham. Right. right. Um, it and that's a conversation, a conversation that yes. never died in the years since, but you know, that an original trailer was a mission that is in this game where you go to a, a Fisk, um, construction site and you kind of like sneak around and then you take dudes out and you fight there's a big action scene with the helicopter and all that that kind of introduced it and i remember seeing that and i remember all the excitement and i was like yeah but that it kind of looks like stuff you've done in a lot of spider-man games maybe not to the level of spectacle as well realized right but it was the sort of stuff that you've done before and that, that was my big thing but uh you know we'll, we'll get to the specific arkham question because i think there's several ways you can come at that yeah me too me too. Uh, I have some interesting thoughts on that, especially from a combat perspective. Well, let me just say this. So I booted it up. I had a real false start. I got home on Friday ready to play it, and then I, my, my disc wouldn't read properly. I had to trade it in at Redbox and get another disc, and that was like a six-hour delay, which made me all the more like you know dying to play it when it finally loaded up and that first cutscene started. One thing at first I was, uh, and you see that like you know scroll through his room, and um, and then you like basically jump out kind of plain clothes I think, and then you start swimming. And I did that, and I finally, after six hours of not being able to play, I was like, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go, man. And so I'm, I'm swinging, and I'm like, this is fun. This is pretty fun. Okay, it's swinging. It feels good. I'm learning how to do it. Um, and, and then I got to the first combat and the first action, and all of that time, I was like, this is pretty good. I kind of like it. 
Um, early on, um, and, and, I, and I, I found the combat to be hard. I found it to be really... That game, like we said earlier, it matters a lot that you level up and get new abilities, but you also really need to learn, much like Sunset Overdrive, how the game wants you to play it. It is not Arkham. I, well, we'll talk about that more later. But it, you cannot play this game the same as you play other games. It's different. It's unique. And I haven't played as much Spider-Man as you have in other games. I've played some. i played Shattered Dimensions pretty heavily um, and a couple of the other ones a bit. But this the combat in this game you need to learn it and i actually think this game doesn't do the best job it throws you in a little head first and the tutorials don't they, they they're throughout the game they do a good job of tutorials and re-reminding you of stuff but they don't do an awesome job indoctrinating you into the combat before throwing you into the deep end i've listened to a lot of podcasts and people talking about and i had the same experience dying a bunch of times on the first boss fight dying a bunch of times on early battles just in general not knowing how the combat works and at first i was frustrated i was like you know this and i even went to a switch event a day or so into playing it and i was like you know i like it but i don't like the combat as much as some other games namely arkham and then all of a sudden that did change for me later which i'll get which we'll get to but my first impressions of the game where i was i was going and i was like this is good the story's pretty good i think peter parker looks a little weird i don't love the way they did his face but overall like the i was really like enjoying it but not super pumped first four hours i would say I'll, I'll go with t- I'll go off both those points because I think the biggest thing that sets this apart early is how cinematic the story is. Right. Um, like that opening scene with him like waking up and like sort of the, the almost Doc Brown esque pan across his room, and then sort of like quick changing and swinging through the city and the way it introduces the characters and the narrative. I think it does do a better job of telling its story than any of the Spider Game Man games past. Now some of them were more worse at like cinematic like i think before they got tied to just doing those mo- two movie tie-ins Beanox did a really good job with both uh shattered dimensions and edge of time of presenting the stories in an exciting uh cinematic way right but yeah this one just goes next level because they do the motion capture because they have such a wide cast because they really play with a lot of elements without it ever feeling too overbearing um or especially early on um, I think when we get deeper in the story, I had a few problems, but like it introduces a lot and a lot of characters, but it, it like feels accurate to Spider-Man. Cause there's a lot of balancing and juggling between going to see Aunt May at feast or going yeah. to help Dr. Octavius with the, uh, prosthetic they're working on, or, you know, the mission where you play as Mary Jane and, and do reporting. And it's yeah. just, which is fun by the way, the stealth is a little rough, but overall those are fun. Yeah, it, it does a lot. It introduces a lot, but and, and the other thing is whether you're familiar – I think it helps to be familiar with Spider-Man lore. You get more out of it, I think, with that. Or maybe you get something different out of it, I should say, because me being only a casual to semi-deep Spider-Man fan only because of being exposed to it a lot in comics from friends, etc., I, I, I got some of the stuff and some of the stuff I didn't get. And I think I was able to enjoy the game as a little more novel than I would think somebody like you or other people would, only in some ways. There are other th- ways where they subvert you know expectations where, where it would be novel even to somebody who knows everything about Spider-Man. But I just feel well, like for me there was a lot more to learn than there might have been for you. Well, no, I think what it does really smart is um, it's very heavily influenced by the past 10 years of Spider-Man comics – uh, Dan Slott wrote the script, <laughs> so that would be a big reason why. Did he really, uh, like, exclusively? Uh, with Christos Gage, they were, like, I, I think lead 
script I didn't writers. Realize that I really didn't. I thought it was internal uh, uh, people. Interesting. I'm pr- let me now want to double check. Yeah. But no, I mean, even if not, it is definitely influenced by everything going from Brand New Day to the present. And I think a lot of that just looks at. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of big Spider-Man villains don't even exist yet in this universe. Um, whereas a lot of the smaller ones do. I mean, you know, you look at it, Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus and Venom are just nowhere to be seen or even really referenced as having existed. Whereas you get like the traditional Sinister Six villains and all that. Yeah, you're absolutely right about the writing. Um, it's at least those two. I'm, I'm waiting for Wikipedia to load, but I think it's a couple others as well, but they're like the main like comic book people. So that makes a ton of sense now that you bring that up. And this is just the perspective I was hoping for. Anyway, go ahead. No, oh, yeah, but the, here, I mean, here it is. Here it is. Um, John, John Paquette, Benjamin Arfman, and Kelsey Beecham—they're probably internal Insomniac people. So it was them, as well as Christos Gage and Dan Slott. Yeah. So I mean, their influence is definitely felt. But yeah, and then you've got like again, there's a side mission with Screwball of all people, which is again a oh, I didn't know one of the brand a... new day. Oh, okay. I thought that was a, a, an invention because there's a couple things that are invented for this universe, like the like the suits and stuff. So that's interesting that that I didn't know she was she was. There. So there's like a reality star, or was she reinvented as a reality star in this only? No, I mean she was created in 2007. So like her whole deal was she live streamed her parkour antics and crime crime bleh, crimes to an audience and would you know get big hits from fighting heroes, which is why she would go up against Spider Man. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay. Wow, this this shit, this uh, horrible internet culture has been going on longer than I thought. <laughs> um, but no, what I really like about this game, though, is it does go a long way towards just being like, we're going to start our own Spider-Man universe. We're going to respect what's come before. We're going to recreate it. But we're going to be like, you know, uh, Telltale's Batman. We're going to just do our own thing yeah. while bringing in the elements we want. I'll give you a couple examples that I really like. One, first of all, it, it has to be said, this game made a an infinitely smart decision not replaying the origin story holy shit was that a smart decision even more so it's brilliant because it actually in a subversive way lets lets us have the origin story later on for a different character which is so cool so we actually do get an origin of a character in this it's just not peter parker um and i love that and not only that but also i just i love that when it does, so that was a brilliant decision. And then also, this game, when it does introduce characters that you know and you kind of know where they're going to go, even though I kind of expected where a character like Doc Ock was going to go, I still thought maybe they won't do that. Like the game had my my disbelief suspended enough where I thought maybe, maybe just maybe. Like there's this one scene later on, and and, and I don't know how to how to frame this and where to stop and start, but I'm just going to say there's a scene later on where. Like, Doc Ock, Dr. Octavius is almost going full Doc Ock, and Spider-Man reaches out and pulls out the little, like, brain override that he's got in that's turning – that's making his mind crazy and corrupting him. And Dr. Is, Octavius is like, oh, my God. It's like – it's almost like Peter was going to bring him back from the brink and save him. And I almost thought, because this game changes just enough little things everywhere else, that they might do that. They might team up against, you know, Norman or somebody and subvert things that far. They end up not making that choice, which I was a little disappointed, but whatever. Ever. Um, well, they're they're definitely doing like they're playing with things though. Like again, we're talking full spoilers. So like at the very very end, where it has because there's a couple post credit scenes. Yeah. But like the the one of them is you know the reveal that Harry is being kept in like a medical tank and you know traditionally he becomes Green Goblin himself, but it seems to be hinting that he's going to be Venom, which is oh, interesting. That's what that was that 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 weird symbiote thing coming out. 
Yeah. That was my take. I mean, I think that's been the take on the internet as well. But it's like it's willing to do different things. And again, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I like that they did a Spider-Man who is, you know, advanced but still young. They did. I mean, he's only 23 in this game. So he's still a kid. Wait, I thought they said, oh, okay, so eight years would be 23. He started at 15, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, They say that pretty explicitly at one point that it was like 15 when it happened. But no, I mean, I I, I like a lot of the story. And the story is really what – Early on, it's weird because I, I almost don't want to say the story was driving me because especially early on, uh, I spent a lot of time chasing down backpacks. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was actually looking at Jor- – when Jordan first got the game, I was looking at his achievements and seeing sort of where – trophy, excuse me, and to see kind of where you were in the game and what you were focusing on just to compare our experiences. And you being a Spider-Man fan, one of your things that you focused in on hardcore – was all the collectibles because of like the Easter eggs attached to them. So you were all about, you had every backpack and every landmark like before I'd even gotten to act two, you know, um, you were, about, you seem to be all about that. And then also you were clearing out a lot of other stuff, right? Yeah, no, I think I, I enjoyed doing the side stuff. I mean, I think it's understated that, you know, it's always fun to web swing. I think they did a really good job with how they set it up in this one. Um, it just felt fun. Yeah. Uh, I think it's felt fun before. And again, this will this will be something we talk about in a bit. But yeah, I really liked the way it worked here. And, you know, as you upgrade Spider-Man, the way your mobility th- while web swinging goes up adds a lot of fun to it. Yeah. Um, you can get multiple like web pulls and you can do the you can get like a ledge boost that lets you run like immediately boost even further when you Which land. Is essential in a lot of ways um, when you uh, like for areas that don't have a lot of high buildings next to one another, you really need the web boost thing, which is basically like you 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 you, you know you basically web zip up to like a, a point somewhere, and then right when you hit that point, you hit the button, and it's sort of like a, a button prompt thing or button timing thing, and then boom, you fly off at, at great speed, and you can. Uh, you know, do alternate that along with web swinging. And then what you learn is that the web swinging has a lot of depth to it. So one thing you can do is you can, um, it's where you decide to jump. So you're swinging and you get this big, long arc of swing. But where you decide in that swing that you want to do the jump and then start your next swing has a huge impact on where you are positionally, on how fast you move, on how much momentum you develop. On, on all kinds of stuff, and you get really good at it. And then also, if you really want speed quickly, you can hit the left um, uh, stick down, like click it in L three, and then you'll do this like flying down really fast move, like a like a like a slam move. And then you grab you 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 swing up real quick, and it gives you tons of momentum. So if you're like moving slowly, like you you kind of mistimed your stuff, you can always do that to kick yourself off really far. Then there's later on, you can do this thing where I never used it really, but you could like launch from the ground. That was something they added after fans asked for it like a like a, a ground boost um i will say this as great as the web swing is and as much better as it gets as you go along i really disliked the tricks i thought they blew it on the tricks did you agree on that i thought they were fine i mean did you do them after the first couple times oh i did them constantly oh wow so i didn't like the tricks i thought i mean i didn't think they were great but i mean it was free experience that, yeah it is but they were hurting my they were hurt the momentum was being busted up when he does that somersault i was like oh or the backwards somersault they just feel so momentum breaking and then there's the, there's one or two of them that are okay but i just found that i was getting so much experience anyway and i always kept on the uh the little ability that gave me more xp because why not 
Um, and, and so I had more experience than I knew what to do with. I got to like level 50 plus three or 50 plus four. Um, so I had plenty of experience anyway. Uh, I just didn't, I thought that the tricks were just, there was so much more they could have done with that, but whatever, there's limits. No, I mean, it was a small like ad. Yeah. It it didn't seem like it wasn't a major thing. Um, I just wished it had been more, more fun to do tricks. Go ahead. But no, uh, getting back to something you said earlier though, combat to me, early on especially, but I even think later on was one of like the least interesting aspects of this game. Okay. Um, now that's not to say there's nothing interesting about it, but I do think it suffers from standard game enemy itis because you've got regular guy, gun guy, shield guy, fat brute. guy, right? You, you've got all the standards. Now it varies it up a little bit. You start finding jetpack dudes towards the end, um, and and I actually I, I thought the boss fights were pretty fun. Um, a yeah, little they were. not too hard, but that was a good thing. I felt like they don't need yeah, to be that they, hard. They were a little uh, underexplained at times, but yeah. but for the most part, pretty easy to they get. They were through. a little unex- underexplained. I completely agree, especially when you're zipping around like Electro, and it's like, all right, like how do I know when? A, like like some enemies just don't have any impact when you web them. Other ones, the whole mechanic is to web them to make them vulnerable, and there's no yeah, way to know then, which is which. I almost. And and this come this this will play into story as well. I almost feel like the pacing was a little weird. Like, I wonder if there was more mission early on because it feels like fight Rhino and Scorpion at the same time, and fight Lizard Elect or not Lizard, fight Vulture Electro at the same time. It almost feels like you that was like a revisit of earlier fights, except there were no earlier fights where you put yeah. them away. Yeah, I I think that um yeah that's possible. I think the pacing overall was a little off. I think and this is oftentimes the way it is with a lot of games. The middle act was bloated and the final act was too short. Um, I think is if I had to say it, I would say that middle act, like I couldn't believe that I still wasn't at the part where the Sinister Six teams up from the trailer. I was like, am I really not at that part yet? And then I realized eventually I was like, I better stop like waiting for that part because like, I'm going to be done with the game when that shit happens, you know? So, I mean, it's just, they, they really, I thought they, they could have made that like two or three missions sooner that, that, that switch and then given me like a mission for each of the bad guys or something. I just feel like that last act was just a little short in certain ways. And, and I feel like everything could have been paced better if they had not made that change. I, I, I agree somewhat um, before I get off combat fully. Yeah. 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 I have things to say about that too. So go ahead. Uh, you know, I, I like the rhythm of it. I mean, I, I think that is in the way when, when people saw it and when you play it, yeah, you've got like the the react to enemies thing. It's a little archimy, but what it really does, I think it does a good job of using Spider-Man. What I think helps the combat is 100% when you start unlocking more gadgets. Okay, um, interesting. Interesting. I'm going to have some big, big differences of opinion here. Go ahead. Okay, for me, like the gadgets are the most interesting thing about the combat in this game. I think that the way that they're used in, in, now sometimes they're so they are, integrated though like there's no good way like you remember how arkham i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt but you remember how arkham like was all about like it would give you a bunch of different button presses to like like different combos which got confusing a bit but still like you could work it into free flow combat where in this you have to stop the action and switch items to a point I, and it, go ahead no i mean i never found it to be like it slows time when you want to switch right i think it has an intuitive use that when you run out of ammo it switches right back to your classic web shooter um, that's smart that's smart i agree and i just felt like it gave me good options for the different things i wanted to do i liked like especially i felt like the um the web stinger was crucial the web like, stinger 
or web stinger yeah it could uh what it, is it would that? cut fights in half huh what is that it's the one where you just shoot it and it'll like launch the enemy and if you aim it towards a wall they're just done oh i never even used it i don't even know what it is yeah it was like the very it's like one of the very first ones he gets where you like shoot it at the ground the guy on the ground and the i think at the construction site and he like immediately gets webbed to the floor if you use that and like you you get it upgraded oh, at like five oh, wait shots. A second. Wait a second. You're talking about the um, impact webs. Impact webs. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Those are those are those are killer. Those are great. Like those are great. I liked using the web bomb to get a lot of people. And I mean, what like webbing people is a lot of fun because like once you do that and if you get the ability to like swing them around, you can yeah. slam them right into being stuck. I mean, it's what's interesting about it to me is it's less a game about necessarily beating everybody up as you can make it a game about like just incapacitating people as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I like the web bomb. I liked the impact webs. Um, I like you know, some of things were more, like I, I, I never use the second half of the arsenal. I got to say on the gadgets. I like that first half. I agree with you. Now I'm starting to get what you're saying more, but like the thing that shoots people like, so they're floating in the air or the, uh, or the one where, where the uh, little drone walks around and does shit. Like I didn't touch those. The spider bro was a little, whatever. Um, but I liked the the oh, flotation like device. Bro. No, you're, uh, there's two separate things. Spider Bro is a suit power. I'm talking about Spider Drone. The drone, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean they're 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 like very similar. So yeah, I wasn't you're right. They are. You're right. They are. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, the drone, whatever. But the uh, I like the flotation. I thought it was good for you know getting off a lot of enemies of you at the same time. I, I just felt like the gadgets. Wow, you use them so much more than me. Yeah, I definitely use them a lot because. Because otherwise, I just felt like, okay, fighting is the same combat you see in just about any action game. So let me tell you my experience and how it varied. So when I went to that first Switch meetup, like a day after I started playing the game, my comment to the guy there, and he was playing it, and he was more further along, further along than me and more pumped about it than me for that reason, um, I think. Because I think this game gets better and better. Um, and what he said was, he was just, I said, you know, this combat, I like it a lot. But it, it it's good, and this is when the whole buzz and the swell of hype was so high that saying this felt bold. I was like, but I just I can't say that I don't that I don't like the Arkham Combat quite a bit more. I like the Arkham Combat way better. And he was like, oh man, and he was like deflated. And then he's like, but have you learned how to juggle enemies yet? And I was like, well, kind of. What do you mean by that? And then he explained. And the things he told me to do, like once I started implementing those, it totally changed my experience. And I realized that trying to play this game, and I've heard this since also, trying to play this game like Arkham with ground combat is a loser's game. And that was the game I was trying to play with like a little bit of launching them up and hitting them, but mainly like get back on the ground, maybe launch them, hit them a couple times, go back down, rinse and repeat. When I learned how to combo it, so I would launch them up, hit them twice, do the web swing where I slam them, then use the, the the triangle button to swing over to another dude, and you don't have to point at them. It automatically picks the next enemy and sends you at them. Then blast them off the ground. Then maybe throw a couple webs, then do a swing. I mean, I really got into using his full mobility and being always in the air and everything changed for me at that point it became like 85 to 90 percent as good as the arkham combat for me and that's even without really any gadgets so well i mean yeah just just based on that like i did a lot of that too i just think i used the gadgets more uh, yeah yeah no exactly it's just i just didn't know I, I believe you did that stuff it's just it's just that for me, like, that was enough. I felt, and, and maybe that's just the way I am, but I really felt like I had enough options just doing that. And I got to the point when, like, I was slaughtering 
you know, huge groups without having to... The only time I'd have to bust out the uh, gadgets is on certain enemies particularly. So, like, Brutes, and I'm just going to say it, I hate them in this game. Brutes suck. They throw off the flow of the combat completely. Maybe not for you as a more gadget user, but for me as just trying to do combat, they basically prohibit you from not using gadgets. You have to use them. And maybe that was the point. And there's also a couple other enemies that are like that. The Whip Dudes a little bit, or it's either the Whip Dudes or the Sword Dudes of the Demons. And then later with Sable, there's just certain enemies that just don't let you do certain shit and i get that and that's cool but like the brute like he's just shitty <laughs> i mean he's just like yo you want to do shit to me i ain't having it you know yeah and, and like, you just have to like throw two web bombs at him punch shit out of him impact web him and hope he sticks because if you don't he's gonna f up your combo he's gonna f up your meter and you're gonna die so you have to take him out and you got to take him out quick so when i was doing challenges to try to get enough um challenge tokens to get all of the suits like, I really had to learn how to take those guys out quickly with gadgets because they just were so – they were a brick wall. They're really hard to get through. So they were the only thing that I found annoying about the combat. But for me, everything about the combat and the web swinging just got better and better and better as I played that game. And when my mastery went up, my enjoyment went up exponentially. No, yeah, I think – no, I, I don't want to say make it seem like I think the combat was bad because I think it was very good. But I also just think it was solid. It definitely introduced some new things, and I want to see it evolve in, like, a sequel. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, Web of Shadows had a really good use of his, like, with the whole ground-to-wall-to-air combat system that was there. I don't think it's ever been – I think this is a very good implementation, but I didn't feel blown away by it. I also felt like, you know, the, the whole – the suit – what were they like the suit equips where you could have up to three of them um those were kind of whatever as well i think yeah, yeah I those little one abilities experience yeah i had the experience one i had the bulletproof one because bullets do way too much damage to you and then yeah, i had that and then the third one i I've, originally i had the one that let you take more melee damage and i was like this is lame melee is not the problem guns are and then i and then eventually i had like one that let my combo continue because i was doing challenges so a lot of them were specific but most of them i never touched yeah, I think I used one that increased the amount of focus you had. Yeah, that one was pretty um, legit, too. And with suit powers, I basically just took advice from, like, things I read because I didn't really – I don't use them that much. But, like – well, I guess I did start using them a lot once stuff got harder because you have to. But like, I mean, I used – I used the focus one and I used the spider bro one pretty much exclusively. Oh, and web blossom. Those three. Yeah, I mean, I used pretty much the one that they give you at the beginning of the game because it lets you do, like, the, the finishers – Really easily. Yeah, the focus and one then, is pretty much unbeatable. And then, yeah, a lot of the other ones, it just felt like they wanted to give each suit one, but then sometimes it just felt they were, like, very samey. There were a lot of ones that were like, this is an explosion – this is like a radius damage attack. Or, like, I'll uh, give you a great example. All four of the Mark Armors, like, this one – um, soaks up damage from enemies. This one deflects those bullets. This one soaks up damage and turns it into focus. Or it was just like the same. And even what I just said is more creative than these were. It was just like literally like the tiniest little shade of difference for each of those. Yeah, uh, but no, combat overall was fun. I think it was, you know, standard. I feel like it 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 brought some new things to the table, but it was also still sort of like familiar. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I wasn't expecting no. it to fully reinvent combat in video games, but no. I just think it saying. really gets. Like, you know, I get your point. I just think that it got to the point for me where I was like, wow. I really and, – and part of it was the how different I felt as I went along. You know, sometimes in games, how much better it starts to feel as you go along, you can feel that difference as something even better. 
So you know what I mean by that? So like, yeah, it, like Arkham, no, I, think... I think I liked from the beginning or, or pretty close to the beginning and I got better and it got better. But for this one, how much I was struggling at the beginning and how much better I got made me feel really good about that combat and especially all the options I had and how challenging it got. And even by the end, like those Sable dudes are still really tough, even at level 53 or 54, you know, it really no, that tough. was. I think in general, my biggest problems with the game do come from the third act, and one of them is that that because you're facing the same type of enemies so often, it just got exhausting. Especially when I was like finishing out compounds, it was yeah. just like it, it just it is varied, but then it throws so much basic unit combat at you that it gets a little samey. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that. Um, and I even played a little more of that stuff than maybe even you did, just because I I, I platinumed it, which you'll eventually do. But like even still, like I'm I'm kind of itching to like just take out a couple mobs right now. I think it, no, it's it, very it's very it satisfying. Me. It hit me on that level. I really like, especially when like going back to a couple compounds that I didn't hundred percent and like just slaughtering them compared to like my original performance felt so damn good. So anyway, en- enough about the combat. But yeah, I think I think but together we've kind of given people listening a good a good estimation of a couple views of the combat. Yeah. Um, but going back to what you had mentioned about me doing a lot of the collectibles. Yeah. I really enjoy doing it. I've, I, because it was so fun to web swing around, I didn't mind like going way out of my way. And also I think the story early on is so set up and that's necessary. I'm not saying it's a bad thing because there are a lot of plates spinning in, in Marvel Spider-Man. It's just a lot of the early missions are go here, meet this person, go here, meet this person. So I just spent a lot of time. Like I definitely, cleared out the map immediately um and or opened it up i mean oh yeah, uh, with, yeah, with yeah. the radio towers which is a little bit of an odd decision like all of that kind of stuff was a little bit odd and not to say i didn't like it like all the light mini games and i'm not not to distract from your point I'll, I'll let you get back to that in a second but all the little light mini game stuff that you do like i i liked it as a diversion even though in and of itself it wasn't awesome like the basically the the pipe dream stuff that you had to like make the electricity i love play. pipe dream so i was excited for that yeah no me too i enjoyed it and then also um the other one where you're like like matching up lines and 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 then line deleters and like trying yeah, to yeah spectrograph it. yeah that was fun and then no and, I, I liked it it wasn't then, it was never overbearing no it wasn't and it also gave me a good sort of just like slight different thing to do uh, that was the same way I felt about the uh, anyway I don't mean to take away from what you're saying but like going around and being able to just like go where 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 real quick on all those towers it was like this is an odd choice um, although I enjoyed it I didn't hate it but it was a little odd how easy it was to go everywhere in the city right away and just unlock it all like what was the point of that i don't know that i know i mean i think it was to have it there and to be i think it was an excuse to give you like a collectible radar which is fine because I, I, I think that that goes to the pacing of the game is it's like by the end of the game you have those super hard areas but to have them early on would have been weird so they were like trying to i think keep the game lighthearted until it needed to get super serious wait i don't get what your point is there what, what your radar collectible radar explain that like they're they basically use them like you would to to f- make collectibles visible on the map. Right. And so they just wanted a mechanic for that as opposed to immediately seeing everything. Right, but 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 I mean, you can go to the hardest area in the game if there is a harder area first if you wanted to swing over there, right? So how Yeah, but that... there's no hard area in that game. Like mm, it Yeah. The difficulty of areas progresses with the introduction of new enemies. It is not like Harlem is harder than um, Hell's Kitchen or anything. So what like are you? That. So what are you saying about them not wanting to throw you in the deep end? I don't get it. Because Act Three is where they introduce like snipers on rooftops and the Sable agents. You know, they're 
uh, compounds and the prisoner compounds and like right, all right. The more no, random street crimes. Oh, like, okay. So maybe you're not knowing. So all I was referring to before was just the going around and, and opening up. No, the I know you were. I was just why does, on that point. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Because I, I just, I just, I just question the importance of like why not just okay everything that you just said let that be but just not have the towers to unlock. I, I don't really see what the point of that is because then. They they didn't want Spider Man to just know where all the collectibles were. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. It just sort of like, like they un, make a un, point of the backpacks being like RFID chipped so that he can okay. now see them. Okay, okay, and also that is true. And they also do play off that a little bit with one of the side missions with the police department, or maybe two of the missions. And then you also use those for like a couple of the Harry things. Yeah, I get it. I get your point. Yeah, no, anyway, but anyway, they were just so easy that it was almost an afterthought. So that's all. I mean, yeah, but I think all the collectibles were easy for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, but what I liked about the collectibles was the game because we always talk about with open world games pacing between story and side stuff. Yep. I like that this game was like we're gonna start you with a couple of the collectibles, and then as you progress, we'll add the demon hideouts. And yeah, then I thought we'll that was a great move. I thought that uh, was a the great challenges. Move. Yeah, I because like otherwise it'd be overwhelming. Yeah, or we'll add the black cat stuff. It it did a good job of me, like, because if you open the game and everything was available, you'd have people that are just like, I'm going to level up insanely high right away. Or, or conversely, people that are like, fuck this, too much shit, I'm never going to do it all, main path, let's just finish this out, critical path it. Like, that's another way people could go with it. But making it unfurl, you know, as you go was – oh, I completely agree. I didn't think about that, like, as a big positive. But, yes, it was absolutely well done. So, yeah, the way – And that's that, integrated, like, into the upgrades and the suit stuff is, like, the earlier stuff uses more of the uh, landmark tokens and the um, backpack tokens, whereas the later stuff is what uses challenge tokens right. and, and the crazy that, amounts of crime tokens. Right, so you don't even unlock the ability to get the Mark IV armor that needs challenge tokens until you're level 25 anyway. Great point. Um, um, so I thought it was really well-paced there. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other points. Graphics-wise, beautiful game, no yeah, surprise. Yeah. It's like, and it's the PS4's big game this year. I mean, it's worth noting it is now the most, the fastest-selling PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, I mean, it's and that's that's after God of War. I mean, granted, this has more name recognition than that, but still, like that was a huge game. This game just no, I mean, stomped it. No, I fully believe it too because I saw like five people I follow on Twitter who were who went and bought PS4s specifically for Spider-Man. Wow. So I mean, yeah, that's that right, right. That's right. So if you're like, if you're a comic fan and you love Spider-Man, like you're gonna, you are gonna play this game hell or high water. Um, let's talk about a couple other little aspects that I want to bring up. Let's talk about. So one thing I do want to say, as well as the missions were paced, the side missions. We'll talk about the main story in finality, maybe in a minute. But the side missions, while they were paced and 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 un- unfurled to you well, I thought they were pretty subpar on the whole. Um, there, if I go ahead, if I had to get a message from that college student asking me to take out corrupted people one more time, yeah, I was gonna lose my mind. And not only that, yeah, the five times it happens and each time it's boring. Also, Black Cat, like I get it, she's gonna be the star of the first DLC, so I forgive this a little bit. But man, was that anticlimactic! Give me a battle and then let her escape, please. Um, and then also all the other ones too. The only one really that led to a battle was the Tombstone side missions. It just feels like they didn't have enough time. The game's insanely ambitious, and they didn't have enough time to do Arkham City level 
of, and I guess that's an unfair comparison, but Arkham City level of like yeah, it's compared to Arkham Asylum. If you if because that's the first game, it is smaller, and I would expect them to probably want to do a lot more with the sequel or with yeah. the DLC that they're doing. Right, and that's gonna um, be cool, and I'm all about it. I will pay twenty five dollars for that DLC because this game is worth that. Um, but I have a feeling it'll probably be pretty short and quick when it does come out, and that's fine. I'll play it. It's worth it. The game. I mean, the amount of money they spend on that game. Like, take take my couple bucks, you know. But but I think the side missions in general were pretty weak. I like the the stuff that's like clear out this warehouse. But then again, that's I almost put that in a different category. I'm talking about that was like a collectible. Side. Yeah, yeah, I'm like talking, the specific blue markers on your maps. Um, right, those were almost exclusively pretty lame. The best with- ones were screwball. And I liked the one uh, – Tombstone was okay. At least it had a real story. Um, and then maybe Black Cat if it leads somewhere interesting. But other than that, they were just so like, hey, I'm an old woman on top of a house looking out at shit. Oh, wait. I see some sketchy shit. Yeah, I mean I like the ones that included big characters. Or not even big. I mean I wouldn't call Screwball a big character, but it used a smaller Spider-Man villain in an interesting enough way. Yeah. Um and then challenge, like I'll, I'll give this to the challenge mode. It is by far the hardest thing in that game. Absolutely. Um, I actually there were certain ones. I thought that it was a little uneven in its difficulty. There were a couple of the, and, and not even in a way that's like like a reasonable escalation. Like I felt because they did those even those unfurled. There were more after you beat a certain number of them. Harder ones came up, and that was cool. I like that. Um, but also there were a couple of those ones where you're chasing the drone that just weren't timed quite right. Like there's, there's not enough time to do that really, unless you were pixel perfect and you really can't be, or if you can be, I'm not that good, but I had some of them. I could get two stars, a couple, I got three, but for the most part, I I didn't leave any of them at one, but like I, I couldn't, I couldn't three star every one of them. I just couldn't. To me, it was a matter of. The combat challenges and the uh, bomb challenges were the easier ones because the bomb challenges, it was a much more – you didn't have to worry about a specific path. You could, like, figure out the path that was going to get you there quickest. Combat was combat. But then the – yeah, the drone was annoying. And then the fact that the stealth had a combo meter you have to consider and go really fast made it frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um the um yeah so i yeah no i i, I totally i totally agree but anyway so the well, i like that it cool. ended, i like that it culminated in taskmaster absolutely yeah fighting taskmaster was fun if brief but yeah. you know i was it, it was it was surprising to see taskmaster it felt like that was a, a weird pick but fit the role yeah i just wish they needed like four or five more of those villain based ones like so, small side villains or small side characters and like four or five less of the not not like that and that's there's fine. no riddler in this for, for lack of a better that's word. Another, There's no, like, major one. That's another example, right? There's nothing that's, like, big and overarching for the whole story that, like, really know, ties everything together. We keep comparing it to Arkham, but we're going to have that discussion in just a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big the big one thing, so overall the story, though. Yeah, let's, um, well, well, we're real quick, before we get to that last thing, um, the Harry missions. Um, did you like them or not like them for the most part? I thought they were fine. Yeah, um, there were a little, I thought there they were a did. lot of them. They did some interesting things. I, I joked on Twitter because I was like, uh, forgive Mr. Negative. Apparently New York has like a dozen immediate <laughs> city-ending ecological threats that, that it needs Spider-Man to take and, care of. And, and by the way, they all turn on in like five seconds. So it's just like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? And like all of a sudden, boom, there's green smoke killing everybody. Or like, oh, my God, all the fish are dying. Wait, not yet. Now they're dying. Where this entire apartment building is going to explode because of gas pressure. <laughs> but not a five minutes ago, only right now. 
Yeah, um, so they were a little little weird in that respect, but I liked getting Harry's voice. I think it was a good idea to set him up if he's going to be a bigger deal later yeah. that on. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, and that that this really humanized him. So if I'm never going to meet him actually in this in this kinder, gentler form, or at least this unfucked with form, then at least like I wanted to get an idea of like who the happy go lucky third best friend of this trio was. And this gave yeah. me the ability to do that. It could have been better though. It just could have. Um, but a lot of things could have been better on the side stuff. Okay, cool. So we'll leave it at that. Let's talk main story, man. Go ahead. Uh, so my big thing. I like all the recreation. I like the characters. I like how it brought different things in. Um, but my big takeaway at the end of the day was I feel like they really dropped the ball with how they handled the third act completely. Okay. Uh, because it is one game for the first two acts. It is you versus Mr. Negative, And then all of a sudden he's a flunky but he's not but he gets a big finish and like the third act is so rushed through with the just the escalation of everything so you agree with me then that the second act maybe could have been a little shorter or at least that the third act should have been longer i honestly like my fix is just and, and you know look this is how they structured the game. It's what they set up at E3. I to me it's bizarre how much the trailers and all of that like showed stuff from the end of the game. Uh, I know. To that's me, what I, I would have saying like, what's up with this? It's you. Like that's like like three fourths of the way through the game. Yeah, and so to me, I was just like, I'd almost rather have had Doctor Octopus just n- like tease him for the next game. I Let know. it end on a happier note because I like agree. the Mr. Negative thread is the plot thread and then suddenly it's the sinister six and i found that to just be so weird that i would have rather act to be longer and split in two somehow with mr negative and then like just let mr negative be the villain of the game well that absolutely and especially if you're not going to do that like you don't make the first three-fourths of the game all mr negative and and also he's a great character by the way i do feel though my one quibble i have even though i knew he was the villain I feel like they kind of botched his reveal, quote-unquote, in that scene. Now, don't get me wrong. That scene a lot of people are comparing to No Russian and saying, like, hide your kid's eyes. It's really fucked up at the end of Act 1. Like, that re- that scene's really intense and does it well. But it's just like, oh, wait, there's Lee. He's just there. You know, they have this really good way of, like, having him, like, kind of, maybe he's bad, maybe he's not bad. Granted, we know he's bad, Jordan. But, like, at least in, in the confines of the fiction, I want it to be, like, I don't know, just a little bit more shrouded. He's just like, yo, what's up? I'm going on the, at first it's like he's on a mysterious trip. Then all of a sudden it's like, nah, I'm just in New York fucking shit up. I'm Mr. Negative motherfucker, you know? And I just, yeah, I wish that he had been, I don't know, just, just a better handling of his like full villain reveal. And it wasn't terrible. It just could have, that part of it could have been better. Like for example, he didn't have to be shown in that horrible scene where bad shit happens, or he could have been shown at the very end. All this bad shit happens, and then, in a really, like, climactic scene in Act 2, the despair act, which it kind of is, in Act 2, where, where you know, all of a sudden he's, he's like, um... He, you, you get this scene where you find out, like, like where Peter gets totally disillusioned and realizes how bad Lee is. And then also the way that they handled that stuff about, like... Um, and by the way, I thought the uh, your your main contact at the police station, she's great throughout. She does a really good job, like keeping things grounded. Oh yeah, that was excellent. But her like not believing you about Lee to it just 
the way that evolves into it very quickly just being a foregone conclusion lee is a fucking monster it just didn't it didn't move properly so there was just there are definite pacing issues yeah um and i think like the best example of that is it's like because to me the ending still works like i was like even though i thought the turn was so sudden like i i actually got kind of teared up when he was like um you know i didn't hate you like you were everything to me and he's like fighting dr octopus at the very end i like i thought they nailed that no and i thought I they too. nailed especially that especially when he walks away from him also um no i thought they did too i thought the octavius thing was pretty much spot on and picture perfect the whole but, progression but alternatively the fact that he goes from i've been maybe going crazy to oh no actually in like a day i've planned this complete takeover of the city with a compl- with this villain group like and, and then not only that like yeah right it's not consistent with the earlier stuff and so like for example later they- when you go into his lair with spidey he's like oh wait he was planning this all along and then oh wait he knew i was spider-man all along so it's like he had to be evil longer than we knew is that the reveal or is that just a fuck up yeah because it feels like okay was he going crazy or was he like already planning to do like it just, it just felt muddled yeah and and yeah totally and there's another thing not not to not to sidetrack but because i want to talk about this well, well let me let me let you finish that point is that kind of where you are with that yeah it was just mainly that it it seemed like it wanted to really humanize octavius and i thought it did a good job i, I liked too. that sort of uh it's like it's a little on the cute side but like the whole the idea that it wasn't just oscorp it was oscorp i i thought you know that's fine good i, I like the relationship good subversion huh? of the myth good subversion of our understanding of that story right and yeah and also i love the idea love the idea and it's probably already in the comics so i probably owe this to an old comics writer and not this game but i love the idea of Doc Ock's body is failing him, and they sold that really well in this. This genius brain is attached to this body that's falling apart. And I thought they just, they really visually and and mechanically showed that so well. And I love that reveal where they combine you going in and doing, like, pipe dream missions with learning just how crazy and bad shit is with Dr. Ock. Like, yeah. that was so well done. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to fix this. Because Peter always fixes it, right? No, it's still fucked up. I'm going to try to fix it. Oh, wait, no, I got a way to do it. And then you do it, and you're doing it. So it's that amazing segue of gameplay and drama that some games nail. And at that moment, they fucking nailed it. Um, and I loved that part. And now that I'm thinking about it, that's one of my favorite parts, is when you're trying to save that machine from crippling Dr. Octopus's mind by doing those puzzles. That part rocks. Yeah. No, it was it was all around very well done. It's just I wish I wish there was more game or it's like weird. I wish there was more of the Sinister Six setup stuff or I wish there was less of it. And it was just the next game Um, because I just feel like that one place, like one of the most key moments of his turn to evil, they like dropped the ball. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, Martin Lee's turn to evil, I thought. I mean, he, he hadn't turned. He was already kind of evil and good from the beginning. You just didn't know it. But I just think a lot of those little – most of it is well done, but then they just kind of miss like the final little turn. Anyway, another thing I want to say about kind of missing something kind of important, let's talk real quickly about the Mary Jane and Peter relationship because it's really important. And also Miles, maybe. So the heart of this story, although the Dr. Octavius-Peter Peter thing is like maybe one half of the heart or a third of the heart, the other heart is Peter and his friends. And that I would include in that May, I would include in that Miles, and I would include in that especially um, 
MJ. And their relationship was really good. Um, I liked it a lot. She got a little too pissed, more pissed than I think she should have gotten maybe. But then again, I don't know the whole story and the history with them. So maybe I just was overreading that. But I was like, man, like he wasn't – he's just trying to protect you. Like I get it that it's a little chauvinist and shitty that he wants to save you. But at the same time, like you can think that that's chauvinist. But like do you hate him for it really? You know, I was a little bit like, ah, oh, you know, and that's the I reason think- they broke up. I mean, yeah, it's hard to know without the specifics of, like, that past incident. Yeah, um, we don't But know. I do You're think, right. like, in the present, they did a good job more of it, her being frustrated. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, it, it never came across like she was going to fully dump him again in this one. It was more just like she was so fed up. And she just wanted to be seen as an equal more so than he was doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I get um, your point, even though she didn't have superpowers. Oh, speaking of that, goddamn was it great when they teased that she might get bit by the spider, wasn't it? Yeah, that was – I mean it would definitely be interesting. I, I found it funny how long that spider was apparently just chilling on her jacket. It was hanging out. It didn't want to bite her. It needed a better host, man. It wasn't about it. It was like um, it was running in and out of those sleeves. It was just like, no, I'm not feeling this. This isn't like ca- canonical enough for me. I think I have to bite Miles instead. Um, but anyway, uh, one thing I want to mention um, about the Mary Jane thing. I like that relationship overall. I thought it was handled pretty well, and I really like the way that it gave us something happy at the end after what's you know overall pretty bleak ending, right, with May and all that. Um, yeah. But – I, I, There's a lot of dark moments, really. There really are. It's a pretty dark game in a lot of places, but 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 it 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 sells them. I love that at least it ended on that happy note of them kissing. So one life dies, uh, one mentor falls to the dust, but another superhero is born, and a relationship and a partnership is reforged in in greater strength. Right? I mean, these are yeah. these are these are beautiful things that happen at the end. So there's death and renewal, and that's great. Um, one thing that really bummed me out big time was being broken up with mary jane and and again you're not officially broken up but the day when she won't talk to you for about a day and then going and doing a warehouse and her calling me up hey pete great job tiger and i was like fuck i played this in the wrong order shit yeah there that is the that is the trick of side content is that sometimes it'll be like I had that happen because I did some of the um, demon warehouses because they were inherently easier with their challenges. So I was kind of doing them in order. Yeah. And then Yuri would just be super chill during the like complete occupation of the city. Right, right. And it's just – yeah, exactly. So that one's like not even as drastic. But in this one, she was straight up like – he was like, hey, MJ. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm not ready to talk. Click. And then – and she's like super pissed. <laughs> and then she's like, hey, tiger. Like really sexy. It was terrible. Anyway, I like I just – I got it about as bad as you could get it in this yeah like it just no i think no no, go ahead go ahead no no you no i was just gonna say no i think overall it did a really excuse me good job of setting up their relationship um it's always interesting to me that you know again i think other media has always done a better job of painting their relationship in an in a great way than the comics ever actually did uh but i liked their relationship here i wanted to see them uh make it work i liked miles a lot i liked the way they introduced him, I like that they, they had his dad and then sadly killed his dad. <laughs> hey, can somebody explain to me, maybe you, how, how Miles has the last name Morales? Oh, it's his mom's last name. So how does that work? Why was he Miles Morales even when Jefferson Davis was rocking around? Because he, her, he just took his mom's last name and she kept hers, I guess. Oh. But is Jefferson Like she's Rio dad? Morales. Huh? So, so they're just like a non-traditional family where the... They where where not only did she not take Jefferson's last name, but also the son didn't. Yeah, that's basically it. 
Okay. I mean, that you got to admit, like, at least traditionally, that's different. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's very different. I mean, it is different. It's just, yeah, that's just the way they were in the comics. Okay, fair enough. Hey, whatever, you know. More power to them. Also, didn't I... Did somebody tell me that there's, like, a race switch with her? Is that true or not true? Uh, like she was like like she's actually supposed to be Hispanic, but in this she's Asian. Is that right or is that wrong? I don't know. I mean, her last name's still Morales, so I'm a, I assume she was still Hispanic, uh, Latinx. I didn't think. Yeah, she was suddenly Asian. Okay. Anyway, I I don't know. I was just I, I just some I heard somebody say that and I was like, wait, really? I guess I didn't know. Anyway, just want oh, to yeah, ask no. you because you know this stuff. Okay. I, I, Go ahead. I will say um, I really enjoyed Miles. I really enjoyed MJ. I do feel, especially towards the end, there were just way too many of their stealth sections. Yeah, there were a couple too many of those. The stealth, and also it didn't help that the stealth sucks. Um, I mean, it just was too, you know what was wrong with it? It was ambiguous. Some people say it's clunky. Some people say it's, like, very, like, strict. And for me, it was just, it was just. It was a little too messy. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Ambiguous, messy, however you want to put it. It's like, wait, is that guy seeing me? What's this? But at the end of the day, you can just fudge it enough that it doesn't matter. Um, I think those sections would have been better, and I've heard people say this, as just walking simulators. Like, the best those scenes are is that first scene with Mary Jane in the museum. When you look at all the museum stuff. and that I like that a lot. That one's great. I liked it when she got a taser too. That was pretty yeah, late, was but fun. I think that helped at least make it a little more active. Yeah, and then and second of all, my favorite, my second favorite one was her exploring and trying to learn about Harry and um, um, Oscorp and all that. that yeah, no, I good. liked the exploration. I liked the idea of her that you know, like they they built up the partnership. That's her um, contribution. As she does a lot more of the research and is able to get to places that Peter can't. It's just yeah, they all devolved into stealth sections where I was just the. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so the big thing overall is, you know, where do we stand on that question, right? Because everyone was like, this is, is this bat, is this Spider-Man's Arkham Asylum? Um, And so what do you think? Um, Yeah, the answer is an unequivocal yes. This is Spider-Man's Arkham Asylum. Um, And it is not his Arkham City. Um, it is his Arkham Asylum, though. I think this is a game that we may end up liking more than the sequel, even though the sequel may do things better. Um, I think that, that that's one possible reality that could come out of this, because I could see, like, the next one just being, like, we're going to throw in every villain, and it's going to be, like, what I'm asking for right now with all those side missions that I wished I had this time, and overall I'm going to like it less. That's possible. Um, I think that this game is not quite as good as the highest heights of Arkham, the Arkham series. That's what I think. But then again, I like Batman a little more than Spider-Man. But even if I didn't, I feel like I think the Arkham games overall, even just one of the Arkham games, Asylum, is a little better than this game overall. And again, don't forget, that's eight years previous. So there's, there's, so taking this game as I first played it and taking Arkham Asylum as I first played it, I was more in love with that game than this one although it's fucking close but it is better than arkham knight though right <laughs> oh yeah arkham knight yeah arkham knight's fun mechanically but it's a fucking mess i mean that game's messy um so to me i i can't say unequivocally i think it is both yes and no it just depends on what you mean by that question well, that's an easy way to say oh okay okay all right i mean it's easy to say i like parts of one and parts of the other better i'm not calling bullshit but i am saying like you know, to, no, I mean, I just making like, a stand is what's hard about this question. You know what I mean? Anyway, go ahead. No, no. Well, to, to me, because I think I've seen it both ways. I've seen it. It is Arkham in the sense of it being like gameplay wise or being like 
is it Spider-Man's best game? Will it be his defining game? And I think the answer to that is yes. I do think, like, hands down, as much as I love some of the earlier games, um, I do think this is the best video game Spider-Man's had. I think it gets so much about what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. And I think in the sense of why we like Arkham Asylum more than Arkham City is because Arkham Asylum felt more like what Batman's day-to-day would be like, whereas Arkham City with the open world felt a bit more like like it was trying to be Spider-Man with like the grappling around the city like you're web-swinging, and it felt like it got a little more disjointed from the specifics or the stealth stuff that wasn't as strong in Arkham City, right? Right, right. Arkham Asylum made you feel like uh, Batman in a way we never had before. Plus, but to it was me, so new. Go ahead. Because it was so new. And I think that's the other end. It's like, in terms of being such a groundbreaking original thing for the character, it's like, I think this refines a lot of it, but I don't feel like this is a groundbreaking new take on Spider-Man. I just think it's a really, really well done version that we've seen before. It doesn't feel like anything yeah. monumentally the new. It, it just feels like... Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, uh, I think I was about to say kind of what you're going to say. And the problem for me, maybe it's different from yours, but the problem to me is that we've already seen, like, felt like Spider-Man before and exactly. maybe felt like Spider-Man in this to a greater degree. But it's like Spider-Man is inherently a character that swings around Manhattan. So you can't so like, reinvent <coughs> that wheel the way that Batman was itching to have it reinvented. Yeah, like, you can make the prettiest, nicest, most accurate version of New York, and I think they do – but it's still an open world Manhattan. It's still fighting random street crimes, and they do things to make them more unique. It's just it. It's like it's not Inherently. a complete 180 or a complete reinvention in the way Arkham Asylum was. Yeah, no, I, I completely I completely agree with you. I think even again, aside from that particular angle, though, of looking at it as a reinvention of you know the franchise, I think looking at them as the definitive... So, like, when you look at superhero games, again, one of the problems is Batman had very few good games, none that were even close to Arkham, whereas Spider-Man has had a lot of games that have done certain parts of Spider-Man as good or almost as good as this game did. So, it's not... It's not like, oh my god, like, big thing about Batman, the Arkham games, was like, holy shit, these are, like, the first good superhero... Like, truly good 9.510 superhero games ever made, period. There's nothing that's been great like this this is that level this is like like uh the legend of zelda ocarina of time for superhero games whereas i i think i think that batman was able to do that and that was awesome where with spider-man it it's it's it, it would never it was never gonna be i don't know i think spider-man is also that to spider-man that's what the point i'm trying to make is is this is the spider-man like 9.5 game the way that arkham city and arkham asylum were the 9.5 batman games that's the way that i think that they are i equivalent in their quality in their overall that's what makes them the most similar also their combat's pretty similar in some ways but the ways that it differs the ways that the traversal differs i think i like spider-man's traversal a little better than batman's i like um batman's combat a little better than spider-man's but i like the fact that spider-man's combat is very aerial where batman's isn't nearly as much so the stealth sections in batman are better and much more well used. Whereas, you know, there are certain aspects of Spider-Man that are really, really fun, um, and that I really enjoyed. So, it really is. I think that this is the definitive Spider-Man game, where where Arkham is the definitive Batman game. And I think beyond that, there's more shades of gray. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair. Like, I do think it is the best game Spider-Man's ever been in. It's just that the gulf between Spider-Man's best game 
and Spider-Man's second best game <laughs> is much smaller. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think it's unfortunately a character that gets punished or isn't as celebrated for breaking from that mold because it's what people want. And I don't even think they're wrong to want that. I think someone would have to have a really original new take that surprised people with Spider-Man to want – like Shattered Dimensions tried really hard. Yeah, it uh, did, having four different gameplay mechanisms, right, mechanics, right. Yeah, and having four levels instead of an open world. and Right. People were upset that it didn't have an open world when it was coming out, so – yeah. Well, and then, yeah, I mean, people are going to be upset no matter what. But, yeah, that was, like, one of the critical things that people said. But, anyway, all in all, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely the Arkham City of Spider-Man. No question. Or the Arkham Asylum, anyway, of Spider-Man. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it's not as impactful because the game before Arkham uh, Asylum was – what was the last one? Like Sin- Rise of Sun Tzu? I was just going to say Sun Tzu. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Um, and, and that, look, those are the only, that, like, that's it. There isn't Batman awesome games. Then there's Batman by Sunsoft for NES and other shitty Batman games. Genesis Batman, which some people like, but whatever. So, Um, I mean, yeah, it's really, it's just, this is a really great game. And I have no doubt, I, I would really not be surprised that Spider-Man 2 is even better because that game, obviously, if it's your, the fastest selling exclusive, you're going to get a sequel. And hopefully pretty quickly, they'll put all their manpower behind it. It'll be a huge smash. It's selling systems, which is just what you want your exclusives to do. It's awesome. Um, and so I, I would honestly say that, I mean, it, there's, I really, it left nothing. What you said, I think in a text to me, and I think it was pretty accurate. You said, I couldn't be more pleased or I couldn't be happier with it. And I, and I say that, that, that doesn't, if anybody said that, it'd be like, whatever. But for you with, you know, 15 years of Spider-Man reading or more collecting it for all this time, playing almost all, if not all of the other Spider-Man games to completion or almost to completion, geeking out about Spider-Man, getting impressed by amazing Spider-Man, disappointed by amazing Spider-Man two, <laughs> reinvigorated by homecoming, going through all this drama and this, this, this cyclone of emotions to then come out the other side and say, I was completely, it was everything I wanted it to be. I couldn't be happier. Um, I think that, I think that's, that says a lot. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm very happy with it to say the least. I have no doubt when we do game of the year, uh, in a few months, it'll be in the conversation. It'll certainly be in the conversation. There's a lot of good games this year and there's a lot more coming. Um, there are so it's uh, I mean we just just from the conversation today about Switch, um, you know, and and then the Spider-Man game and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Although I don't think that'll probably be game of the year. It's it's still in the conversation, um, and then I mean the hype around Red Dead and oh my God, it's insane. And then and then the new uh, uh, Odyssey might finally be like what Origins should have been for Assassin's Creed. That's going to be sick. I have no doubt. Um, I mean, I just really think it's going to be a, a one hell of a, of a year for us to decide Game of the Year, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though. But in the meantime, uh, what are you going to be playing? Uh, I am going to be playing. So I have three games on my pile of shame. Four. Um, one is not on my pile of shame because it's what I'm playing now, and that's Shadow of the Tomb Raider. When I finish that, I'm going to restrict myself, if I can, from picking up something new for at least a little while so I can get to one of the three games I need to play. Those are, in no particular order. Detroit Become Human, which I have only just barely started. Um, Vampire, or Vampire, which I picked up also, but haven't gotten to play yet because other shit came out. And We Happy Few, which I spent $60 on, or 48 because I have that discount. But still, full price for, and I haven't touched it yet, as excited as I was for that game. So those are like my go-to four. How about you? 
Um, well, you remind me, yeah, Vampire is one I picked up but haven't put too much time into yet. Uh, so I'd like to play that. I'm, I'm going to finish Rise of the Tomb Raider because I really want to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Right. Uh, and then just two weeks out is Super Mario Party, and I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be uh, cool. So. Linking up switches and, and playing it, and we'll be able to do some kind of online play, which will be fun. Well, def, that might be the first time we actually do like some co-op or some online connecting of our switches. That would be really No, definitely. Cool. Um, awesome. Well, hey, on that note, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and us, and then we'll uh, we'll call it out. All right, well, you can find me, as always, at uh, Indigo Master on Twitter, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Jordan Alsaka Writer, and jordanalsaka.tumblr.com. Um, and then my webcomic, Welderkin, is at welderkincomic.com. Awesome. Uh, you can find The Joy of Geek several places. There's the thejoyofgeek.net, thejoyofgaming.com for our podcast archive, uh, Facebook, The Joy of Gaming, uh, at The Joy of Game on Twitter, and yeah. Awesome. And you can find me at Rich Lapore on Twitter as well. On that note, I am Rich Lapore. And I'm Jordan Alseka. We'll see you soon. Take care.